Hello, everyone, and welcome to House of Fire and Blood, the podcast where we ask, what if George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood were told more like HBO's show, House of the Dragon? Hi, everyone. My name is Gretchen, and I use they, them pronouns, and I'm here with Caroline. Hi, guys. I'm Caroline, and I use she, her pronouns. And we are continuing uh, our analysis of Fire and Blood with the worst chapter written in this book so far, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know that, that Jaehaerys is the bestest boy? Uh, so we are reading, this time, the entire chapter, Prince into King, The Ascension of Jaehaerys I. Um, listen, the maester really likes Jaehaerys, right? Yes. We're going to balance that bias by not really liking Jaehaerys. <laughs> I I want to just say at the outset, I think like in a in a doyalist way, like in a author kind of way, I always mm-hmm. found the Jaharis and Allison reign to be kind of a cop out from George, mm-hmm. because he had to he had to fill this like long history right that he right. he created he chose that it was a three hundred year history up until the Song of Ice Fire he made this bed he now has to sleep in it, and he said I'm gonna make one of the kings rule for one of those entire centuries. Yep. And I'm like, I'm like, is it possible somebody lives that long? Yeah, there's, is there historical precedent now and then? Sure. Uh Is it a fictional tale? And I feel like you did this because it was easier than writing like three or four kings to fill that time. Yeah, I think that's exactly what you did. (laughs) (laughs) And I've always been a little dubious of, and I like J. Harris and Allison. Well, you know, as we go through and analyze them, they do interesting stuff, but I do think it's easier just writing wise to have one king and queen that last that long mm-hmm. as opposed to the more realistic lifespans of people in that time right you know and, and abiding by that so i do i do think it's a little, little bit of a cop-out of the way he did it that's just my my view on the whole situation that's my I, bias i agree and i also think that to harris and alizan both in universe which we will see and in the fandom have this kind of Targaryen propaganda role that, like, everyone's like, well, even if you're, like, monarchy is bad, which, like, we are in the side of monarchy is bad, yes. that, like, most people be like, well, monarchy's bad, but you gotta admit, Jaharis and Alisan were pretty good. Yeah, they were, he was, they were the good, they, they, she's the, the good queen, Alisan. I guess we don't know yet in the section that she's gonna be queen. Uh, right. Spoiler. <laughs> right. But, cool. like, that, like... It's almost like the hashtag not all Targaryen kings. Like, yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, is he though? Like, is he though? Is he is though? He though? Is, the, the primary question of the next 200 pages is, is he though? That's, he the, though? that's the main thing. That's the main thing. <laughs> yeah. So our, our boy Jaehaerys. So let's, let's get into our summary of this chapter. Right. Um, so our our poor friend Magor died mysteriously somehow on the throne uh-huh. and now the 14-year-old Jaehaerys is taking over which is interesting because Aenys the uncrowned no Aegon the uncrowned Aegon the uncrowned I'm sorry these Targaryen names and I'm a big Targaryen stan but I still get them confused um Aegon the uncrowned had children mm-hmm. and he was supposed sure. to be the right he was the rightful king right so sure did. what about well, his kids. Anybody? I mean, what about Arya and Rayella? Said actually a few people in Westeros. 
Yeah, I mean, yeah. and also, like, um, Amy's the if if you're going to delegit, which this which the text does is like, well, I mean, there's a problem because if you if you delegitimize Magor and you say he was a usurper, mm-hmm. who's the legitimate heir? Because right. you know, yeah, like Aegon the Uncrowned had kids, but but also, Amy's had an oldest child. Yeah, who was older than Aegon? Yeah. Our good girl um, Reyna. Our good we girl Reyna. Uh, maybe she should be queen, which, like, also, again, said some mm-hmm. people yeah. at the time. Mm-hmm. The text in the beginning of this chapter very quickly brushes over that. And it's yeah. like, ah, well, the twin girls can't do it. They're girls. They're kids. You can't do it, you know. And Raina, ah, Raina just wanted to go back to Fair Isle. She right. was just, you know. For reasons. She definitely had a man there that she liked. And yep. She yeah, yeah, yeah. wanted to go back to Fair Isle. So she didn't really want it anyway. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. How convenient fine. that like yeah. Raina didn't want it. Yeah, it's perfect. It's perfectly fine. So, uh, so yeah, so our our Jaharis takes over, right? Um, and like the the chapter really wants to set up the amount of obstacles that this that this poor fourteen year old boy has to overcome at the very beginning of his reign. Mm-hmm. Um, the maester takes great pains to be like the realm was divided mm-hmm. and everyone was fighting. And they couldn't even decide on who should be the heir. And, like, they're really, he's really trying to set up, like, what this poor, poor, poor prince, Jaharis, mm-hmm. this this good boy has to get overcome. Um, but, you know, like, he was a young and vigorous man. And, uh, like, yeah, he has no easy task for his immediate predecessors had undone much of what the conqueror had built. Mm. Um, and his claim is not even beyond question, and, you know, he's still only 14. And it was raining, it was raining that day, and his cat died, (laughs) and he had a bad breakfast. It was, like, a lot. There was a lot going on. (laughs) Right, right. He's really, like, setting up just how much he has to overcome, and it feels like in a way that's, like, you just want to make him look better when Mm -hmm. he ascends the throne, don't you? You want to be mm-hmm. like, look what this poor 14-year-old child had to deal with. And look how much he managed to accomplish. Mm-hmm. He started from the bottom. Now he's here. He was yep. just a he was just a poor dragon prince born yep. into uh, power. And he overcame so much adversity. Yep. Pulled himself up by his <laughs> by own bootstraps. <laughs> That's Jaharis. He's a man of the people. <laughs> anyway. All my... All by himself. He had no help. No help. No one helped. He made all the decisions. Um, Did everything himself because he's so good. Um, So, yeah, one of the things he does actually have to do, um, probably with help, but um, is to decide how to deal with all of the lords that were loyal to Magor. I mean, Mm -hmm. what do you do when your uncle is a usurper Um, and super metal and, (laughs) and everyone liked him except not? Um, yeah. Well, but they're actually like a significant. They list the number of houses at one point mm-hmm. that had sided with him, and it's like a pretty significant list, right? And, and these are the people who are left, mm-hmm. like because it says that it's, um, it's most Lord's... of the great. Ha- yep, go ahead. Oh, no, go go. No, you go ahead. I was just gonna say because most of the great houses had kind of defected. So like this is the list that you're about to read is just the people who are left after the great houses were like, oh shit. Um, Magor's going down, maybe we should switch sides. <laughs> right, exactly. So there was Lord Stokeworth, Massey, Hart, Bywater, Darklin, Rollingford, Mallory, Bar Emmon, Birch, Staunton, and Buckwell. It's a lot of people. Also, can I say, 
my first couple read-throughs of this like story in general, Fire and Blood and A Song of Ice and Fire proper, um, Bar Emmon never registered with me like ever. Like I didn't recognize that as a house name. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're fucking everywhere, dude. Yep. Yep. <laughs> they're all over the place. Mm-hmm. I-, I want to know more about the Bar Emmons. I probably right. I could probably Google it. Right, and it's interesting that they're like all over, and yet like you, we've never heard of them. Yeah, well, I guess they're not. Song of Ice and Fire. Well, they're kind of like the Valerians. Like the Valerians and the Bar Emmons kind of were like initial, seem to have been initial Targaryen supporters. And like in A Song of Ice and Fire proper, the House House Targaryen is no more. So Mm -hmm. the the Valerians are kind of like okay, and the Bar Emmons are like mentioned in passing here and there. Right. But they're not they're not like prominent houses anymore because the house they supported had a little whoopsie doodle and uh, (laughs) trip. Tripped and fell from grace, if you will. <laughs> <laughs> just like the, you know, the ruling lord of the house, the king was just kind of, you know, just yeah, slipped and fell on his Kingsguard's sword. He did. He did. He ran after, into Jamie's knife. <laughs> he ran into Jamie's knife after threatening to blow up the entire town. So you know, oops, a little whoopsie doodle. I think that's a, a fair whoopsie doodle. So yeah, um, so um, Jaharis needs to deal with these lords. And the text gives him a lot of uh, the the um, benefit is the wrong word. I can't think of the right word. They get they say that he's the one that made these decisions. Credit. credit. There we go. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Uh, the text gives him a lot of credit for making these decisions, and there isn't exactly anything to the contrary. We don't know at this point a lot about Jaharis. and I you know I don't want to be just like ragging on Jaharis the whole time. It's very possible that he was a competent ruler. Right. You know, we we have occasionally competent rulers in the Targaryen family, and particularly under the tutelage of Alyssa, and having mm-hmm. seen how violence affected their family and how violence destroyed their family, right. I could very much see him having that opposite reaction and being like, "No, we're not. I'm not doing that. I saw what that what that led to, and I'm not doing the violence." Mm-hmm. Um, and so he allegedly, Jaharis is the one that says, "We're not doing the violence. We're going to." Give clemency, pardon people, let mm-hmm. people go to the wall, have trials, etc. Right. And we'll we'll ex- execute a few people that we have to, but like we're not gonna do giant bloodshed at this time. Yeah, because like his options is like are the options that we've seen pretty much any other Targaryen king have. This happened with Aegon when he initially conquered, and this happened with Magor, um, and Aenys during the rebellions. Like your your options are like vengeance. Um, some kind of semblance of a fair trial or an actual fair trial but some kind of trial or just mm-hmm. like outright pardoning mm-hmm. but like those are kind of the three main options and that um uh Alyssa wants <laughs> she wants vengeance our girl we finally our got girl. like a little characterization yeah, of Alyssa. yeah. A bit, but like she wants vengeance because of um I mean I think at some level reasonably because yeah, Sarah's, well, like, because her child was brutally tortured and murdered. Mm-hmm. And wants all the lords who, like, stood by and did nothing while, you know, supposedly stood by and did nothing while Magor and Tyana killed Viserys to, like, yeah. suffer. And Jaehaerys does order the execution of a few people in relation to Viserys' murder. So there is yep. some justice uh, for that, which I think... Yeah, yeah, and he sends the, the heads and hands to his mom. Because, you know, good Christmas and his, gifts. And his mom says, I am very pleased with this. I am very pleased. Thank you. Thank you, son. <laughs> Thanks. Good. Good job. What a good boy. Um, 
He didn't wrap them, but I wouldn't expect him to know how to wrap things. I've always wrapped everything for Christmas, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's fine. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could just, just a cart full. There's, like, a really lovely illustration. Yeah, there's some great pictures of this chapter. <laughs> in, of, like, uh, Alyssa staring at, like, a box full of, like, severed heads and hands. Mm-hmm. And just kind of looking, like, mildly horrified, but also, like, mildly, like, like transfixed by, like, oh, yes, look at yes. this. Look at the box of... Dismembered. Look at the box of heads. <laughs> the box of heads. It's very she makes of her. Yeah, very of her to contemplate the severed heads. Yes. Um. So yeah, like he, uh, all but one of the former Kingsguard go to the wall. Um, yes. That's you know he deals with the Kingsguard that way. Uh, from the suggestion of Alisan, Alisan mm-hmm. says they should go to the wall instead of um, being beheaded. Mm-hmm. Um. And uh, one of my favorite parts is that the last one demands trial by con- combat, and King Jaharis is like, I'll fight him! Yeah! <laughs> and his mom says, no. No, honey. No. <laughs> Absolutely not. No. And I just had this moment of, like, that's such a teenage boy thing to do. That is. Like, that that's is. one of, like, that's the most teenage boy thing that Jaharis <laughs> does in this whole chapter. It's like, I'll fight. I will be the champion. And I'm just like, yes. oh, baby, you are 14 and a half. No. And, like, however old this Kingsguard might be, like, sure, he might be old. But, like, he's also been a Kingsguard for, like, you know, however yeah. long. He's probably a much better swordsman than you are, even at 14 and like, a half. Like, a 14 and a half year old's in, like, what, 10th grade? Maybe 11th? No, oh, my like, God. No, 10th grade? It's like, sweetie, you're learning how to do pre-calc right now. You can't fight this Kingsguard. You're good. We don't even know if he's gone through puberty yet or, like, how far into puberty he is. He could be, like, a beanpole with, like, Imagine, like, if he's, like, tiny and has a squeaky voice, he's like, oh, fight him. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. I love just, like, a little pimply-faced, like, squeaky-voiced Targaryen being like, I'll fight the Kingsguard. Yeah. Oh my god! And his mom saying no. The Kingsguard thing is interesting because they send all of them to the ki- to the wall, even the ones that um they send all of them to the wall, even the ones that had turned back in favor of or turned against Magor. Mm-hmm. Um, because Jaharis is like, that's cool and everything, but like you broke your vow, uh-huh. so like I can't keep you. <laughs> and I'm like, that's a pretty good point. Yeah. yeah right. Excellent. Right. You you vowed to protect the king, and even though you sided with me, you're vowed. You broke your vow to protect the king by choosing to side with me, so bye. Yeah, yeah. That's something I think is sort of interestingly paralleled to um, Jamie in A Song of Ice and Fire. Mm. You know, because Jamie's kept on by Robert, and, you know, I mean, Jamie had really good reason to act as he did, but he did right. break his vow as a king's guard. Mm-hmm. So, you know, honor. Right, and everyone questions Robert's decision to keep him on because they mm-hmm. assume that Jamie. <clears throat> must be dishonorable because he killed the king. I mean, and they're they're not wrong because he's not the most loyal to Robert. Mm-mm. So, no. yeah. yeah. I mean, there's a point to be made there. Right, right. But it keeps him close to, to Cersei. So. Exactly, exactly. So they take <clears throat> care of the rebels, whatever. Um, everybody's, like, bending their knees. They're getting their clemency. They're giving their, their hostages. And then there's Septon Moon. Oh, my God, Septon Moon. This man, I don't even know. I don't even know with Septon Moon. I, I, so Septon Moon is in Old Town, and he's like, 
the he's like claiming to be the real Septon for like the poor fellows and stuff. Mm-hmm. And basically, it feels like everybody follows him because he's like cool. Like yeah. he's like got a cool personality, but he's like a terrible Septon. If he yep. even is a Septon, like it's unclear yeah. if he even is uh-huh. one. And he's like all about like he's into sin. Yeah, he's like I'm a Septon, but I'm a sinner, and I sin every day, and it's like, ew a part of me feels like he's kind of making fun of martin luther um oh maybe um okay or like that period of european history during the reformation when um like monks were i don't know i don't know if it's specifically martin luther but like it feels Mm -hmm. like he's making fun of like that martin might be poking a little bit at like the period in um in European history during the Reformation when, like, a, you know, they were splitting off from the, the Protestant church and then the, you had all mm-hmm. these monks being, like, were the true holy ones, but, like, they were breaking their the monastic vows. Yeah. Um, by, you know, and part of that was because they were trying to break away from the Catholic church, but, like, they were, like, doing things like getting married and, like, mm-hmm. um, yeah, the kind of, like, wholehearted embrace of, like, Yes, I am a sinner. I will boldly sin. I will boldly sin when no one has sinned before. Yes. Yes, exactly. <laughs> um, yeah, it feels it could, a little could bit be. like... I mean, I think there's also the commentary, and we could talk about some more analysis, about how important is the faith if this is the kind of guy that rises to leadership with it. Right. You know? Like, that's right. picked by the folk, by the small folk. Right. And even wondering, I have questions about how accurate this some of this portrayal of Septon Moon is, because... Um, the Are Maesters... you saying that you don't think that there were dick talismans all over Old Town? Are you saying... <laughs> Look, maybe there were. I just know that the Maester sure does not like the pores. So whenever he's like, oh yeah, the poor fellows were led by a dude who'd like liked to fuck a lot and he couldn't even he couldn't even read don't you know i'm like yeah oh, oh okay. so the, the 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 big thing with septum moon is that he apparently would have a new woman every night uh-huh. and was such so fertile or whatever that he would like get even barren women pregnant and etc yep. so he's just out there fathering all these kids and uh so people started like painting his penis on things yep and like they making called it the cock of the moon cock of the moon <laughs> That's some shit you see at, like, an anime convention. That, oh that's, like, I don't know right. what was going on in Old Town, but they were having, like, the time of their lives at this point. Like, that must have uh-huh. been so fun. Um, right. And then Septim Moon. So, I mean, the problem is that Jaharis needs to be anointed and crowned mm-hmm. by the Septim, but they can't get into Old Town because Septim Moon and his people basically have it held hostage. I mean, and, we we can talk about why we think that they didn't just fly in on their dragons, but you yes. know. They were like, let's fly in our dragons. And someone's like, no, no, we shouldn't let's do that. Oh, I, I'm beginning to believe your theory that eventually Old Town will burn because there's been so many times. So many times so it's many like this times. close to being burned. Um, so yeah, there. Septon Moon, um, he conveniently dies like right as Jaharis needs to get to Old Town mm-hmm. so that he can be crowned king. Uh, and I, we have, we will talk about who may have been involved. Who, why, yeah. I have yep. theories. I have mm-hmm. my own pet theories. Yep. Yep. I have some of my own. Oh, good. Um, I'm excited. <laughs> yep. But uh, just put a pin in that, a little eyeballs emoji of like, huh, sure did conveniently die. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Interesting. Weird. So when he dies, he had no successor of any kind. And so uh-huh. the whole movement just falls apart. 
Old Town Falls, and the Targaryens are able to go there and mm-hmm. anoint Jaehaerys. Jaehaerys wears Aenys's crown. Yes. Not the Iron Sword crown. Yes. I put that in our theme oh. section. We will ah, discuss the symbols yes. of power being involved. Yes, the symbols of power. Um, Jaehaerys gets crowned, and uh, some. Okay, well, we have to talk about the Red Dog of the Hills. Okay. Oh my gosh. Up until this chapter, I didn't care about the Red Dog of the Hills, but this is some gay shit. Okay, and I'm not <laughs> saying I'm not saying that he's gay. I don't know his sexuality of this fictional character, but. This is some gay shit. He comes to King's Landing and is like, yo, my bad. I'd like to, like, not be, you know, whatever, that outlaw. I'm sorry um, I did a rebellion for a while. So- sorry about that rebellion that I had in the woods, you know, for a uh-huh. long time. And he and the king kind of allegedly kind of go back and forth about, like, rising up because the Red Dog's like, well, you rose up against Magor too. And the king's like... Yeah, and and because you know you fought valiantly, dude. Like I'm not I'm not gonna lie. Like it was pretty it was pretty chill what you did. Um, so I have an idea. You want to be my king's guard? And the red dog is like, oh. and he gets to and he pulls out his sword and he gets to one knee. And he as he's like knighted in the king's guard or whatever, he has tears on his cheeks. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's some fucking gay shit. I love it. And yep. I'm like, that is the cutest thing ever. <laughs> yeah, that is really sweet. I still don't yeah. understand why this guy is so important. He's, he's not, but Lady, what's her name? Behind the scenes. Lucinda. Lucinda. Lady Lucinda Tully. Who is she? Why don't I know more about her? Why is she only named the one time? Mm-hmm. But yeah. Jo- Joffrey, yeah. Joffrey Doggett, the red dog, just, like, keeps popping up. And I just, whenever I see him, I'm like, ah, patriarchy cares just I know. Cares Pox- so much. Poxy, Poxy Jane, who did the same thing, burned at the stake, right? Yep. Or, yep. or hanged, I forget. I think she was actually burned. Um. Red red dog of the hills, Kingsguard. Kingsguard. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Um, but their interaction is still very cute. Yes, it is very cute. And and it is a smart move on Jeffrey Doggett's oh. part. Joffrey. And extremely smart move on Joe Harris's part. Yes. As well. Huh? Because right. after he becomes Kingsguard, all like a bunch of the people, all the rest of the people fall in line. Like the yeah. they all kind of get get in line They're like, okay, this king is serious about clemency. Like we're mm-hmm. not gonna he's not tricking us. Yeah, this like this decision aligns with more of what we saw with the way that Aegon treated the faith. Yeah, which was to like ally with it. Mm-hmm. Um, don't make it your enemy the way that Maegor did, but mm-hmm. to like ally with it and find a way to like consolidate power without allowing the faith to have more power than the crown, but to like align itself on like on the same team. Yeah, um, that he's able to do what I think. Magor could have done if Magor had followed the initial instinct of like instead of fighting the faith going like you don't need like because when he initially I'm thinking of when he initially outlawed the warrior sons and the poor fellows it was like well you don't need a military because the crown will be your military but I was like that was a smart decision that's a really smart move but then he followed it up with like continuing to fight them and Jaehaerys says like well, you still don't have a military. Like, I will, you know, the faith will will still be protected by the crown. We mm-hmm. will provide military support to the faith. So, yes, we're still keeping the, what do they call them? The swords and the stars. Yeah. The, the faith militant. Like, that. that's still outlawed, but mm-hmm. there won't be bounties on your head anymore. 
Right. Like, we, like we're not going to kill you. We're just still going to make you illegal because like the crown will be the military arm, which is smart because then, right. then the crown, then the faith can't rise up against the crown. Right. Uh, two quick points for anyone who's watched the, the TV show, the horrible TV show Game of Thrones. Uh, <laughs> this is why the whole thing about Tommen bringing the faith into the fold or whatever is so hilarious because mm-hmm. Jaehaerys did this. Right. <laughs> this happened during Jaehaerys' reign, like hundreds of years before. So there was there, there's all it's always been intertwined. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the other thing to think about is Magor couldn't have done what Jaehaerys did because Magor was a child of incest. Yes, and Jaehaerys is not. Jaehaerys mm. is because uh, Alyssa is Valerian. Right. So right. It's the the faith didn't have the same like innate problem with Jaehaerys as it had with Magor. So I don't know that Magor could have yeah. really ever reconciled with them because they were never going to accept the Abomination King. You know? Mm-hmm. Right. Of, I mean, the same reason they rejected um, Reyna and Aegon. Uh, Reyna and Aegon. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So right. they have which, to do this Which issue. we'll come back to. Yeah. Because uh, Jaehaerys will have his own. Yeah. It's fine. His own uh, bout with that. Yes. And the last thing that happens uh, in this chapter is uh, the parent trap occurs. Yep. And the twins switch. Yeah. Yeah. Reyna's twin daughters definitely, definitely. This sure is no maybe about this. This is no, they definitely they, switch they places. They change places. Yep. They do. So, uh, so it was Arya was uh-huh. the firstborn and she's like the shy one. Yep. And Rayella mm-hmm. is the other one. Yep. Rayella's the younger twin and is like the more like outgoing one. Yep. For some reason, they had sent Rayella to the Starry Sept to be a Septa. Magor did, Magor did it. Magor t- made that decision? Yeah, he made the decision. When he made Arya his heir, he sent right, Rayella like to the one. Sept. Yeah. Which is silly. Just keep two heirs in case like, something could happen to him. But anyway. Um, they they meet again at the king's coronation. Mm-hmm. And, in Old Town. And they were identical. Yep. And then after that... That's so weird that their personalities just changed completely. Yeah, yeah. Like Rayella never has to be chastised again. She just mm-hmm. becomes the perfect little septa, reads her books. Yeah. Um, and know. Aria comes back and is suddenly like fierce and and like bold into horses and, and into dragons yeah. and all this cool stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. I mean, Jaehaerys is court. Just seeing seeing their uh, their uncle Jaehaerys being crowned king must have just you know. It inspired them. them. Yes. It inspired them to be better. That's uh-huh. what it did. Right. To to yeah. accept their lot in life and just embrace the role that had been given to them. Yep. Exactly. That's that's um, that's why patriarchy is good. It's so comfortable. You're told what to do. Don't mm-hmm. you love it? Right. right. <laughs> and eventually you just settle into it and you like it. Yeah. Exactly. Um, so well, yeah, area of Westeros. At at the end of this chapter, Arya is still technically heir to the throne now. Um, but they've just put a boy in between, you know, like she was, mm-hmm. she's the heir at the beginning because Magor had made Arya his heir. Right. Um, and she's the heir at the end, but they just kind of, you know, slotted a dude in there. Slid, Jaehaerys just slid in. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> just like, just comes on his skateboard and he's like, I'll fight the King's guard. Yeah. <laughs> um, cause it's cool to have a, a six year old be your heir, but not the actual, not the actual you know ruler yeah you gotta be well, I mean, 14 you gotta be a 14 year old to do that but what's crazy to me i mean and we're gonna get into this now with our analysis with like the gender and stuff but like the 
they were like, oh, no, we cannot have a girl be the heir. That, that can't happen. But they're perfectly fine putting the Dowager Queen as the regent. Yep. They're like, they're like, who's regent? Oh, Alyssa. Uh-huh. Okay, so the two people actually ruling are Alyssa and Rogar Baratheon. Uh-huh. And Jaehaerys is kind of like an intern in this moment. Like, interning on the throne. <laughs> right, right. And like, yeah. Yeah, and we see that both Rogar and Alyssa are offering advice. Mm-hmm. Um, and sometimes Alyssa is even the one actually directly making the decisions about what should and should not happen. Yep. Um, so it yeah, is. let's uh, let's strip away some biases before we, we, we dive fully into yeah. what, what we think happened. Uh, so what was the maester thinking? Uh, yeah, you noted that there that he brings up these court chronicles. Yeah, so he's because he, there's a lot of quotations in this chapter, uh-huh. and he starts to mention the presence of other maesters and stuff like that. Um, right. And he says things like "thus and such happened according to the court chronicles." I don't. What is that? Is there a written text that's like court chronicles? Is there like a stenographer in the court that's like writing everything down? Sticky like, notes, just like the maesters, just leave like lots of notes lots of posted notes everywhere. <laughs> They open like an old leather bound tome. It's just like bright pink and bright blue post-it yep. notes. Yep, just post-its everywhere. <laughs> they got a different color post-it for each of the rulers. That's how you know yeah. it's color coded. Magors are red. red <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they would do black, but the ink wouldn't show up. So. Right. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm really curious that like if there are court chronicles, I feel like it then raises the question of like, well, then what is this? Yeah. That does raise that question. Absolutely. Like, like I have, been, we, uh, we have been thinking of this as like a court chronicle of some kind. Mm-hmm. Even many years later, someone is trying to write down a chronicle of what happened. But like, apparently there are even more primary sources mm-hmm. that are actual court chronicles. And it's just mentioned in passing. Yeah. It's just like, it's like, as according to court chronicles, less and such thing happened. And I'm like. Or, or does he mean that in the sense of like a court, a court chronicles meaning like the oral history passed down? Of That's a good question. Yeah, you know, that could be too. Mm-hmm. You know, it doesn't necessarily have to be a book to be a chronicle. I guess. Right. right, and it's possible some of these sources no longer exist. I would imagine that like, um, Robert Baratheon may have been in charge of maybe the destruction of some of some you know mm-hmm. court texts. Um, or just the various times that King's Landing has been attacked. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, but yeah, it is interesting that like we're actually seeing primary sources being noted in passing. Right, um, exactly. Whereas prior to this point, it feels like it was just like, did you just make that up? Or <laughs> <laughs> Well, it also makes sense as we're getting closer to... Mm-hmm. Uh, closer to real history i don't know how to yeah, close, to, closer to like gildane's actual time frame right exactly that i i expect the sourcing to get better right as it gets closer and closer yeah and jaharis strikes like the way that he ruled it strikes me that someone would have some court chronicles around this time period mm-hmm. um things are a bit more peaceful like there's and organized less chaos and yeah. yeah more organized um the other uh the other thing, what was the maester thinking? The maester was thinking, Jaharis is so cool. Mm-hmm. Super isn't, cool. Isn't he the best? Oh my gosh. He's um, the best man. Yep. The bestest boy. There are a couple of times in this chapter where I just like literally rolled my eyes. Mm-hmm. 
Um, you were the one who noted that Jaharis ascended the throne. Uh, he had a maester, and wondering if that had anything to do with that. Yeah, so Jaharis in this that. chapter, Jaharis in this chapter and in future chapters, from my recollection, relies a lot on maesters. Mm-hmm. And I think the fact that he's like really into the maesters, as opposed to like Magor, who was like literally killing maesters, um, allegedly, definitely causes a bias for the maester writing the story. <laughs> Mm-hmm. and he's like look he was listening to his maester when he ascended his throne he had his friends his knights and his maester right there and it's like yep you're you're just love that you're there yep yeah you love and you being know included. something your representation in media is important i know you're glad to see yourself on the page okay <laughs> <laughs> so here we go i'm gonna i'm gonna read a couple of these uh uh these uh a bit uh flowery descriptions mm. of Jaharis in this chapter. So mm-hmm. if you're reading the physical book, this is page 111. Um this is about um what to do with um the lords who have um you know who have rejected Magor and you know do we seek vengeance or do we seek clemency? Mm-hmm. Jaharis as yet had neither been crowned nor anointed and was still shy of his majority. He's still a little boy, you know. Mm. His pronouncement, therefore, had no legal force, nor did he have the authority to overrule his council and regent. Yet such was the power of his words and the determination he displayed as he sat looking down upon them all from the Iron Throne that Lords Baratheon and Valarion at once gave the prince their support and the rest soon followed. I was just like, oh, wow. Okay. His penis was so big, you don't even understand. I mean, the fact that, like, they'll listen. Like, this is, again, how strong the patriarchy is. And Mm -hmm. this is true in our world, too, in a lot of situations. But that they will defer to this 14 and a half year old, this 10th grader. Uh They will defer to this kid who doesn't have a license yet. (laughs) You know, but he can't even legally drive his dragon, okay? Right, exactly. He's He's got his dragon permit right now. And he they'll defer to him but they won't even entertain genuinely that reina should be queen right like it blows my mind it's just like how these rules are so ingrained in them that this is their their default it's like they're how they're going to function no matter what right right and she's at this point been married to depending on how you slice it two kings yeah and she has heirs. She has children. Right. Yes. Like, what right. the hell? And has consistently been the smartest person in the room. Right. And knows what's up. And Reina, I mean, this is when Reyna says that, says that thing to uh, Jaharis, right? About them cheering for him. Yeah. They will cheer you as the crown is placed upon your head, she said. As once they cheered our uncle and before him our father. Yep. That, like... She's basically just like, look, you're not special. They're just going to cheer for, like, the dick on the throne. Like, right, cool. Exactly. Like, these same people who are cheering you now, like, they have no loyalty. They don't care about you. They're just cheering for whatever dude is sitting on the throne. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. She recognizes the Windvane lords who, like, yeah. just, who follow power. That, like, that's I, what they care about. I wonder if that has any impact on Jaharis. And that's something we could maybe talk about going forward and the way that he acts and how careful he is. Mm-hmm. in different things that he does as opposed to how Magor and Anus were. Right. Right. Uh, that, you know, because she's right. Yeah, she's absolutely right. Yeah. It's funny that the maester, fra- like, frames this as, like, Reyna was the only one who told, like, I think he says, like, told him nay, who dared say him nay. 
And I was mm-hmm. like, I don't even know that she's doing that. I don't even know that she's telling him, like, that's a bad choice. Like, this doesn't feel like she's, like, resisting him or no, standing up to like him. She's like, she's literally him. just, yeah, she's counseling him to, like, what seems to me, like, what she's saying is, like, well, sure, you can offer them clemency and they're going to bow to you and they're going to cheer for you. But just remember, these same people cheered for Magor. And they also mm-hmm. cheered for Aenys. That, like, these people just, like, cheer who, whichever dragon person is on the throne. Mm-hmm. So you can't trust them. Whoever sits in the mighty gaming chair gets cheers from the small folk. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that uh, just seems, like, really, like, wise advice, actually. Just to, like, mm-hmm. remind him that, like, that power, that, like, loyalty is an illusion. And what is the meaning of power, yeah. And what is the meaning of power? You know, power is not, in fact, power. Pa- power is... All, all kinds of crazy shit that you have to do now mm-hmm. to make it work. Right. Um, I like your note about how much of the perception of clemency as wise versus weak is the context. Because the same thing happened with Aenys. King yeah. Aenys uh-huh. tried to give clemency. He tried to give people time to... like He, he was like not going around burning stuff. And for him, it was like, oh, he's a weak king. Yeah. He's weak. But that's exactly what Jaehaerys is doing. Right. Right. So what the, 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 the... And it's also what Aegon did. And Aegon's yeah. not considered a weak king. That I'm like, what? Okay, look, this same series of decisions, depending on who's making it, gets labeled. It's almost... <laughs> I'm thinking about how on, on, on the terrible show Game of Thrones... Um, <laughs> like, the bad show, yeah. We, yeah, on the bad show, we know whether or not a decision is good or bad because you know who's the good guy and the bad guy that even if the good guy and the bad guy make the mm-hmm. exact same choice you know that the good guy made the right choice and the bad guy made the bad choice because the marketing tells you yeah yes because yeah. the marketing tells oh. you that this feels like that like the marketing yes. is <laughs> well when Aenys does it he's weak because we've all decided that he's a weak king mm-hmm. and when Aegon and Jaehaerys do it it's because they're being wise. Because we've all decided that they are good and wise kings. Therefore, this mm-hmm. must be a wise choice. Mm-hmm. And I think in this case, like, so like for the bad show Game of Thrones, that was marketing because the writers were bad. Right. This is, I think, from the fact that the maester is writing retrospectively. Yes. Knowing what happens. Mm-hmm. And knowing that, like, Jaehaerys does, Jaehaerys' reign, during Jaehaerys' reign, a lot of things that are good for the realm occur. Yes. And... There are things that we have now in A Song of Ice and Fire proper that, like, wouldn't exist but for someone doing it during Jaehaerys' reign, mm-hmm. right? Whether it's Jaehaerys or somebody else. And, yeah, it's like when you when you look back on somebody and their rule was, like, pretty peaceful and pretty good and pretty productive, like, yeah, you're going to have that bias and be like, it's kind of like, it's so, it's wise because it worked. Mm-hmm. And now mm-hmm. that we're looking at it in retrospect, yes, we could be like, "Wow, how wise!" This is like, here, I'm gonna go on a little tangent. I promise this is related. No, please do. Do you know the poem by Robert Frost? Uh, I forget the title of the poem. It's either "The Road Less Traveled" or two, uh-huh. the one two roads diverge in a wood." Yep. Um, so that Robert Frost, my favorite poet. Uh, so I'm a crazy Robert Frost person. Um, that poem is taught in like high schools, and it's taught wrong every <laughs> time and i when i was in high school i fought because i got into robert frost when i was in like grade school because i was a psycho nerd and a super nerd <laughs> <laughs> um but i would fight with teachers in high school about this because i'm like you're teaching it incorrectly because the the poem has a, a narrator in it mm-hmm. and 
the point the narrator is making is different than the point Robert Frost is making. Mm. And so you get into that kind of dualist thing. So the narrator is talking about, you know, metaphorically, he how he's walking in the woods and the road diverged. And he looked at both paths and he took the road less traveled by. And that's made all the difference in his life. Right. right. Um, and the poem says, you know, I'll be looking back at that decision ages and ages hence. And because I took the road less traveled by, that's made all the difference. But... If you actually read the descriptions of the paths, They're they the are same. identical. They're the same path. They're the same. And the point Robert Frost is trying to make is that we make decisions all the time that are just like mundane mm-hmm. and aren't made. Be- we aren't like making decisions that are better or worse. We're just making decisions because life happens and random things occur. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when they work out really well, when, when they when they work out and they work out well, we look back and we're like, wow. I made such a good decision. Yeah. Look, look at my good decision. I did uh-huh. so good with that decision. When in reality, at the time, you don't, you really shouldn't have any credit for doing that because you didn't, you just picked one of two options. Right. And it happened to work. Right. Right. So it's the same kind of thing here where it's like, mm-hmm. because when Jaharis did it, it worked out. The maester is looking back and going like, oh, so wise. So, so smart. Wise. He is, I am looking back on it ages and ages hence, and that decision made all the difference. I love that. Yeah. It's random. Right? He, like, he made a choice. He had options. Like, Mm -hmm. other kings made different choices, or the Mm -hmm. same choice, and they worked out differently. Aegon showed clemency, and eventually Mm -hmm. the lords rebelled. Mm Mm-hmm. Does that mean that he made a dumb choice? No, he made a choice and he rolled it. And like, he made a choice and then the Lords made a different choice. The Lords eventually made a mm-hmm. choice to fight back against him. That's not like, that has nothing to do with whether or not Aegon and sometimes, was- And sometimes Aegon and Visenya and Rhaenys picked violence. Yes. And it worked great. The Field of Fire worked perfectly. Right. That was exactly what they wanted. They wanted to, to conquer. Right. And that- did the conquering. Right. And sometimes Magor chose violence and it didn't work out. Like it's it's yeah. almost like some people's choices don't necessarily impact other people's choices. That you like people respond differently to different things. And like yes. the level of I think because what you're getting at is is that is consequentialist thinking. Is like looking yeah. at the value um and like kind of the moral um, or even like ethical situational value of a decision based on the outcomes mm-hmm. is saying because it worked I liked I like that pithy way you said it. it's wise because it worked that yeah. like if it hadn't worked mm-hmm. then it would have he would have been weak and foolish and, like what weak. do you what do you expect from a 15 year old who's never been king mm-hmm. but because it worked everyone's like oh yeah so wise he was so mm-hmm. forward thinking at mm-hmm. four, at 14 years old that he saw that 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 clemency was the right choice and I'm like well I mean it just happened to work out that way. It just happened to work out. There's going to be a lot of things in Jaehaerys's reign mm-hmm. that just happened to work out. Right. And part of me is like, that does happen. The thing with decisions just happened to work out. Part of me is also like, this is a fictional test and Martin had to get the story rolling. So, uh-huh. you know, like things had to occur. Like he had to, for example, explain why the Targaryens are, as of West, as of A Song of Ice and Fire proper, Targaryens are allowed to do incest. Right. We have to answer that question somewhere along the way. Why? Uh-huh. When, when did that start being accepted? You know. And the way it's accepted is very lucky. It didn't have to be. Right. And we'll get there in the coming chapters. Mm-hmm. But, it, yeah, it's this, this, would you call it consequentialism? I've never heard consequentialism, that Consequentialism, yeah. Ooh, I like that. Mm-hmm. New words. New right. words here on House of Fire and Blood. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's one 
of those like traps like but it's a very common trap like logical mm-hmm. like a logical trap that we fall into as humans it's very very common like you said it's that robert frost poem that like we tend to look at the consequences of our choices as signs of like the the rightness or wrongness of those choices mm-hmm. um because the the larger framework is the assumption that like good choices have good outcomes and bad choices have bad outcomes mm-hmm. um which for people who are familiar it would be it's something like just world theory that we live in a just world in mm. which like when you make the good choices you get the good outcomes like it's mm-hmm. a like it's a machine where if you put in good input you will get good output like mm-hmm. that's that's the larger framework of this is just world theory that if you do the right thing good things happen to you and bad things happen to you when you do the wrong thing and so you look at at your life i mean this is what leads to things like well people are poor because they're lazy because right exactly pull yourself up by your own book be like your harris pull yourself up yeah. by your own bootstraps. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> pull yourself up by your dragon's bootstraps and yeah. <laughs> your inherited power and and then you can be king. you too could be king of westeros if you were the son of one of the former kings and had right. a dragon and you know just try harder boy. come on um yeah. but yeah it's it i yeah like that this is it's wise because it worked yeah I, I mean, I think that's definitely what's going on. Um, so, yeah, I just, like, wanted to bring up that I was reading this and going, wait, we've seen other kings make these choices. The exact same choices. Exact I, it drives same me crazy. Choices. And can I just say that the, the maligning of my good boy, Magor, okay, maybe not my good boy, maybe that's too too far. The maligning of Magor, Magor the Metal, continues in this chapter. There's this little set section where they talk about, like, when they first come into King's Landing, they arrest everybody. Mm-hmm. And they arrest everyone, including, quote, a score of lowborn trolls named as Magor's whores. First of all, I've never heard the word troll before in my life. T-R-U-L-L. I don't know. Yeah, and they call... That? It must be something. It must be, like... Because they call someone else later, later also, like, a doxy, which uh-huh. I had never heard before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so like, just, like, Martin knows all of the old, old-fangled words for bad ladies yeah yeah Yeah. for bad ladies yeah how how to slut shame ladies in medieval (laughs) english (laughs) troll and doxy Uh uh-huh oh my god these are our vocabulary words uh consequentialism troll and doxy (laughs) (laughs) but it's like it's 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 like oh he had all these like the, the implication being oh he had all these women on the side like he had all these whores and it's like going along with this like, Magor was so horny and such a bad, horny man thing. Uh-huh. And I'm like, I just don't think you have, I just don't think that's what's happening. I don't, I just don't think that's what's happening, sir, but okay. Right, yeah, that, like, the assumption that, like, well, he took a bunch of wives because he really wanted to have lots of sex. Yeah. It's like, well, first, if you're the king of Westeros, you don't have to take wives to have a bunch of sex. You can, right, you exactly. can fuck whoever you want. You're the king, and you have and and you ride Balerion the Black Dread. Who can tell you no? No one right. can tell you no. Exactly. Um, exactly. But also, it misses what we have been talking about, which is that like the Magor married a bunch of women because he was desperate for an heir. Mm-hmm. And like when you're desperate for an heir, you don't just have sex with a bunch of women because you want your heir to be legitimate. Mm-hmm. Like you don't exactly just fuck a bunch of people. You right get married so that whatever child is born is the the legitimate heir to the throne no they arrested uh dozens of trolls wangor's trolls in the in the in the red keep and he was just the horniest bad baddest most horny man he was so bad 
so 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 horny yeah um okay so um oh uh i will i will read another choice quote about jaharis yes. um so in the book this is page 114 um um even the most fervent of magor's supporters were won over once they met jaharis for he was all a prince should be fair spoken open-handed and as chivalrous chivalrous as he was courageous Grand Maester Benefer, newly returned from his self-imposed exile in Pentos, wrote that he was, quote, learned as a maester and pious as a septon, unquote. And while some of that may be discounted as flattery, <laughs> there was truth to it as well. Even his mother, Queen Alyssa, is reported to have called Jaharis the best of my three sons. Also, the only alive of your three right. sons. <laughs> It's really like, easy to say he's the best of her three sons when he's literally the only one left. Right. Exactly. And I also think it's, like, it's kind of shitty to say that, Alyssa. The other two are dead. I mean, come on. Right. I also, that's I mean. one of those things where, like, I I don't know how much I believe it, given given how spicy she is about Viserys being dead, which mm-hmm. is, like, again, legit. I am not shaming her. When your mm. child is brutally tortured and murdered, you have a mm-hmm. right to be a little spicy about it. Of course. But it seems weird that, like, for for her to be so spicy that, like, she's, like, super pleased with, like, the gifts of heads and hands that Jaharis gives her of all of the jailers and people involved in the torture, that mm-hmm. she'd be like, oh, yes, the best of my sons. It Oh, it makes me think of, have you seen Arrested Development? No, I have not. Oh, my gosh. For people who have watched Arrested Development, the mom um, says at one point, she's like, I love all of my children. And then it flashes back and it's like earlier in the day. And she's like, I don't really care for Job. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm thinking of Alyssa being like, I love all of my kids. But yeah, Jaharis is the best. He's the the best best of my sons. (laughs) He survived the longest. So, Mm -hmm. well, almost, almost. Because Viserys was 15. So we got to wait for Jaharis to be past 15. Then he'll have survived. (laughs) Then he will be just like the longest living of her sons. Right, exactly. So, no, I think that she she has a couple of quotes. Alyssa has a couple of quotes in here, including um, when when Jaharis gives his command from the throne, and she like won't defy it. She says like, well, he can never look weak. Mm-hmm. He can't look weak because that was the problem with my father. He looked weak, right? Um, so uh, or my husband was she married to Anis or Anis she was, was married her, to Anis? My husband. There we go. Mm-hmm. That was the problem with Anis. That was the problem with his father that he looked weak. Yeah. So I know Alyssa's relationship with. Jaharis and Alisan also must be complex because she left King's Landing with them. Or she fled Dragonstone, rather, with them. Right? And she mm-hmm. left Viserys behind. because I mean, she couldn't get to him. There was no way for her to not leave him behind. Right. So, you know, it's like she she sacrificed the one kid to save the two. Mm-hmm. So she's got to be very invested in these two because the sacrifice of the one has to be justified by these two being successful right right yeah i agree and i think that we we want to talk more about that um but want to finish up with jaharis and you know he's he's Mm. learned as maesters and as wise as septum and and yeah fair-handed and all of the best things he's just y'all ever y'all ever met a 14 and a half year old boy (laughs) (laughs) i don't know a 14 I know that I'm gonna go with a solid nah. <laughs> solid right. nah. That's not true. Right. Right. It's the part where it says he's as pious as a septum that I'm like, the tenth grader is well, like deeply should... religious. 
Yeah, one thing we should keep track tabs on is Jaharis's sexuality mm-hmm. because he is already being portrayed as someone like is very pious and whatever and not at all lecherous or yep. not at all. At least in this section, he has no sexual interest in anyone. He's no hor- He's not horny. He's not horny. Magor, at all. Magor, by this age, had already consummated his ma- his wedding like three times in one night. Right, because he's so yeah. horny. Yeah. Jaharis, not at all. Jaharis is the 14 and a half year old boy who's not horny at all. Yeah, no horniness. Yeah. No. Sure. <laughs> What's wrong? Why don't you believe that? Because <laughs> I have met. Um, I have met, you know, a lot of 14 year old boys. Yeah. Um, yeah, and I think, like, to kind of close out the section of, like, what, you know, maybe what was really going on with Jaharis and and thinking about the lens happening in this section is like again context how much of how great Jaharis looks is by comparison that like mm. when the last king is Magor I I've just like I read this section and I go how easy must it have been to sell Jaharis mm-hmm. after Magor yeah like, it's a really easy sell. Like, all you have to be is just, like, less of an asshole. Right. You have to, just not, you have to be not as not as asshole as Magor. Right. And, like, everyone will be like, oh, my God, amazing, the best, mm-hmm. so wise, so kind, so great. Because mm-hmm. he's just, like, juxtaposed to Magor. Mm-hmm. Like, and wondering, like, how much that plays out throughout the Targaryen history. Like, how much is the perception of kings, like about their predecessor like comparing them to their immediate predecessor like mm-hmm. when you put Aenys next to Aegon like how mm-hmm. much of like oh he's weak and indecisive even though we also know that Aegon didn't make a lot of decisions because he had his wifeies to do that for him that mm-hmm. like but he at least rode a dragon and so how mm-hmm. much of the like he's weak and indecisive is like well because he didn't ride a dragon and like burn shit mm-hmm. And then you put Magor next to Aenys and it's like, oh, wow, what a shitty dude because Aenys did nothing and Magor is killing people. Right, exactly. And now it's like, I mean, now you're at like kind of the bottom of the barrel Targaryen propaganda wise, mm-hmm. right? Like we're at like the worst of the worst section. Yeah. And Jaehaerys is like, Jaehaerys just kind of has to be like average. Yes. And they'll be like, wow, the greatest king. The greatest king. And also I was thinking about how you keep bringing back how much this is about not accepting women as rulers that that's just kind mm-hmm. of this like through line of like also how much of making out Jaharis to be the wisest and best king is about the the council of 100 where they decide that mm-hmm. women should not be rulers is like well of course the man who like officially decides that women can't inherit is the bestest smartest wisest look mm-hmm. at what good decisions he made yeah yeah <laughs> and even in a smaller a smaller uh way justifying jaharis over reyna mm-hmm. and being like well well you know jaharis was so great immediately he immediately from the, from the beginning mm-hmm. the boy king was just so good at this and you know reyna didn't want to do it anyway and, it, and she she wouldn't you know so she went back to pharaoh but it's it's he's so great you know i def- definitely like that's why the Maester's Lens is so important to examine, because you can't understand this history truly without take tre- peeling that back and understanding that, like, this is just sexism. This yep. is just sexism happening, mm-hmm. and that is the lens that it's written in. Right. Right. Which, like, 
let's let's bring that back in. Let's talk about like you brought it up earlier that like this section from the very beginning is like immediately like yeah sure there was these women who could have inherited but like uh, he says like their sex told against them and i had yeah. a point where i was like say that one more time say that one more time <laughs> i saw that in your notes Day. just one just say it one more time i dare you to say yes. her sex told against her <laughs> as if but that's the thing he's writing it like well everyone knows it's basically like, well, but she's a lady, though. But at the time, they didn't. That's the thing. When the Septon is writing it now, it's like, okay, this is a long-established rule, whatever. But at the time, mm-hmm. there were people in Westeros. Like, the text even acknowledges there were people in Westeros that were like, but what about Reyna? And what about Arya and Rayla? You know? Like, there's mm-hmm. always been those people. Yeah. And it was not a foregone conclusion whatsoever that it had to be this way. And I think it's almost like... It's almost like Doth protests too much, like the maester's almost overcorrecting for it uh-huh. because he is prepping you to read the dance, right? Yep. And he's like trying to make it just like, oh, it's so obvious that like you, these women can't inherit. Like it must, it must be the men. Uh-huh. Like he's trying to overcorrect for the fact that like there is no, there is no innate difference between men and women where one has to, where like we have to pass over all the female mm-hmm. claimants and only go to the man like this is just made we just made this up you made this up yep like mm-hmm. yeah right even jahari's made it up everyone yeah. made it up the idea that the idea that only women that only men can rule is just like entirely made up concept but yeah he's treating it as if it is a foregone conclusion that like mm-hmm. the argument her sex told against her is like a legitimate argument yeah she can't be ju- queen. Point one. Her sex toyed against her. Conclusion. That is my argument. Right. Yeah. That you can, Like, it's so circular to be like, well, she can't be queen because she's a lady and women can't be queen. Mm-hmm. Therefore, she can't be queen because she's a lady. And I'm like, what? what? <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> this has not actually been established. This is not even like the pattern of inheritance is not law yet. Like, mm-hmm. male preference primogeniture is not the established law in Westeros yet. Mm-hmm. Um, despite what anyone says, despite even Rogar Baratheon being like, well, this is not Dorne and Reyna is not Nymeria is like, so what? It so could what, be. It could be. It could be. You can it do whatever you want. Yeah. <sighs> Alas. Um, the mm-hmm. patriarchy. Um, I also love that, like, the maester says that, um, Neither Aria nor Rayella had the makings of a queen. And I'm like, what does that mean when they're six years old? What are the makings of a queen, sir? This they're still like children. When, uh, this is like when Anus was a kid and his um his mom died and he was sad. Yeah. Couldn't couldn't be Aegon's son. Yeah, no, 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 no. no. <laughs> this this toddler, this literal toddler cried because his mom died. Pfft, what a weak what a how yeah, weak sauce. What a weakling. I know. Yeah. No, these twin girls, they don't have the makings of a queen there. Right, but the fourteen-year-old boy, super manly, the most oh, manly. You can't even imagine how manly he is. <laughs> Let me tell you. <laughs> so learned. He reads so many things. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, yeah, and I guess oh, we're still on. What was the maester thinking? Um, we talked a little bit about how he doesn't really like poor people. We've talked about mm-hmm. that before when we talked about Magor. Um. He really goes out of his way to make Septon Moon look like the absolute worst. Some of it, I like, I can believe some of it, but some of it does feel like a little bit of, like, propaganda of 
I kind of want to believe all of it. I kind of want to believe in the dick talismans. Yeah, I, I kind of love the idea of people walking around in Old Town with dicks around their neck. <laughs> right. It's kind of right. funny. Right. It's just the, the, the way how judgmental he is about it. That mm-hmm. like, ah, this illiterate drunk dude who sleeps around a bunch. Mm-hmm. What a hypocrite. He's the worst. And I'm like, do you know how many of your high lords are doing this all right. the fucking time? All the time. All the time. What you are describing is like at least half of the lords of Westeros. <laughs> Mm-hmm. But it's bad when the poor's do it. We then it's well, not okay. You know, when you're po- well, again, when you're poor, just pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Come on, right? Be like the high, be like the high lords. Be like the Try- high lords. Have you tried being born into power? Come on, like <laughs> work, work on yourself. Look inward. <laughs> okay. Well, now that we've been talking for a while about this, let's talk yes. about what we think really happened. Um. So. Our good girl, Reyna, who we love so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, the text says that she conceded the crown. That, mm-hmm. that she, she conceded the crown should go to Jaehaerys over her twins. Do you think that is true? No. Okay. Interesting. Why, why, I actually do think it's true. But for, for, for reasons. But what do you, why do you think it's not? I could also see it not being true. I... Part of it is the feeling of the, like, me thinks the maester just protests too much that Reyna was so willing to just mm. give in. Yeah. Um, that they're like, oh, no, 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 no. She just wanted to retire. Don't worry about mm. it. And she totally agreed that the crown should go to Jaehaerys. Even mm. Reyna, the person with the next best claim to the throne, agreed that Jaehaerys is the bestest boy and that mm-hmm. he should inherit over herself and her daughters. Like, I feel a little bit of, like, did she? that just Mm -hmm. really like it's so convenient to say that like the person who actually technically if you believed in equal preference primogeniture that the person with the best claim to the throne it's so convenient that she is like so easygoing and willing to give it up yeah that is true yeah Um, i wonder if that's the case like if what really happened was that she tried to press a claim and basically everybody was just like, nah, and they didn't even, like, record it. Right. Right. Like, or even just that, like, they didn't it. even ask her. That they weren't even, like, that they were just like, nope. Um, Rogar and Alyssa already declared that Jaehaerys is king. So, um, mm-hmm. that's that. That, like, no one even considered asking her about it or, like, that she, you know, that there was just, like, no space given to her. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would imagine at the time she was very tired. Yeah. So I think it might actually be true because she, because of what she said to um, Aegon right after the kids were born and he went right. back to press his claim and she said, I would I would die for your claim, but I won't put our, our daughters in jeopardy. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering if she sees the Iron Throne as extraordinarily dangerous. Ah, uh-huh. And is sort of like, you know, she... You know, from an outside perspective, the concept of being, like, a ruler and having that power is very uh, alluring, right? People want that kind of thing. She's been at the center of power her whole life. Right. She's been married to various kings. She's been part of the royal family. She's seen it from the inside. And she sees that it's, like, not all that grand. Mm-hmm. And actually, it's very violent and very dangerous. And she kind of got out by the skin of her teeth herself. And so did her kids. Right. So I wonder if she's just kind of like, this is not worth it. Right. This is This is dangerous and... I don't even want my daughter on, Mm -hmm. you know, I don't want my daughter to be anywhere near this thing. I want to be somewhere where they're safe. Um, 
I yeah. could see I could also see that, but I could see either story. Yeah, and and I guess I could say I could see I could definitely see that for her passing over the twins to keep them safe. Where I struggle to think is that she would recuse herself. Mm-hmm. Mostly because I know where the story goes. Yeah. And I know that that is not always her opinion. Right. And um, so uh, so I am coming I am coming from the benefit of knowing where fire and blood goes. So we can come back mm-hmm. and revisit this later. But like mm-hmm. so let's just put a pin in how willing is she to actually was she at this point to recuse herself from inheritance? Or did her her opinion might have changed as well, you know. She, right. Like you said she might have been like fatigued. Right. At this yeah, point. just like look, yeah. I just had to marry my uncle and yeah. You know, the, the Red mess. Keep, the Red Keep in King's Landing must also be like a great place of trauma for her. Yeah, I would imagine. You know, mm-hmm. having all the things that have happened there that she's seen there, and the you know living in constant threat, her daughters being under constant threat. So I could imagine right. wanting to run away to, right, um, your 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 boyfriend and his sister, uh huh, on yep. Fair Isle. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, that Andrew Farman, so compelling. Oh. We'll meet Andrew Farman in the coming sections. Uh huh. Yeah, he's such a good boy. Um, but yeah, the other thing that, that, that the maester just kind of like mentions as an aside and moves past on that I kind of wanted to pause a little bit about is, uh, whether or not Reyna was involved in killing Magor. Yeah. It's like, oh, she might've been, she might've through sorcery have done it somehow. Right. And he's like, no, 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 there's no way. And I was like, but wait a second. What if she aided Eleanor somehow? She was already at a King's Landing. No, but what if she gave her information? prior to the fact yeah like reyna might have known the red keep a lot better than eleanor did might have known like i don't know i'm just making shit up i'm just tinfoiling because i like the idea i like it i like it because i like the idea that like reyna and eleanor look if it like if i'm writing fan fiction maybe they trauma bonded yes being married to magor yeah and worked together somehow that like Reyna's like look I'm gonna get out I gotta save my girls I'm gonna steal mm-hmm. the sword but here's how if you were gonna kill Magor here's how you'd fucking do it mm-hmm. um yeah I could see that I would like that in an adaptation mm-hmm, that mm-hmm. they work together mm-hmm. that they right. work together to try to, to, to bring him down mm-hmm. yeah I'm here for that yeah the maester brushes it off. He's like, "There's no way that could have happened." Right, and that's whenever the magor is. Whenever the maester is, re- I just said the magor. Whenever the <laughs> maester is really smug that something definitely didn't happen, I'm like, "Right, but what if it did?" Right, but what if it did? What, <laughs> if it did? what would that look like? <laughs> are you maybe? Are you maybe ignoring it because it involves a woman doing things? Mm-hmm. <laughs> is that why? Right. Um, so speaking of mostly ignoring a woman, who's doing <laughs> Alyssa. Things, Alyssa. We learned things about Alyssa. Woo! She finally has a character. A little she bit. She says words. I do. I think that a lot of Alyssa's characterization comes through the way that Jaharis and Allison end up being characterized later mm-hmm. on. Because, I mean, she raises them, right? Yep. Um. So I do think that's important. But, yeah, she finally has some fire to her, like you were saying before. She's uh, quite spicy about the fact that her kid was uh, tortured and murdered. Totally fair. Mm-hmm. And, is, you know, is very pleased with their heads in their hands. And um, and she she understands her role. Yeah, is as the regent, making sure her, that Jaharis looks strong. 
mm-hmm. that the trappings of power are draped upon him, mm-hmm. and she, but really she and Rogar Baratheon are ruling in the background, and like you know, Jay Harris is involved, but she understands like the importance of this looking like a strong, dutiful, pious, good king, right? You know. Right, which makes me wonder if maybe the reason why she disappears so much into the background is because she was so effective at yeah. creating mm-hmm. that image. Yep. Um, precisely yep. because, as you pointed out earlier, she has the whole thing where she says, like, he must never seem weak. Right. That's very Catelyn Stark. Yes. Catelyn Stark has almost the same thoughts about Rob when uh-huh. she's with Rob. She's like, she's watching Rob do shit, and she's like, he's fucking up, I need to stop him from fucking up. And she's like, I can't do it in front of his lords. Mm-hmm. Can't do it. The men the men can't see him running behind mommy's skirts. He, he, yeah. he has to be... He has to have this, this image, this, yep. this king, this kingly image, yeah. So yeah, I really like that idea that like part of the reason she's fading is because she did her job well. That like yes. she she did such a good job making it look like he's making all of the decisions, mm-hmm. um, and so that's why like you end this chapter with like, wow, look how good and smart and look what look what. Jaharis and only Jaharis was able to accomplish in the first couple months as king, and I'm like, yeah, pretty sure mm-hmm. it was not just Jaharis. Um, and it's that it, it's that very classic patriarchal like the man is the head, the woman is the neck, uh-huh. kind of thing. Yep. That like, uh, I don't know. In in my life, older women think that's like a very noble kind of thing, and I'm like, that's kind of horrifying. Uh huh. But like, yep. my mom is really my mom is really into the like you know making changes from the background sort of thing she's like oh but that's like where like that's women women have always had power because they can always do it that way and i'm like that's not the same as having power it's really not it's that's different that's we call that the patriarchy Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, Mm -hmm. yeah that's like very classic yeah she has such an interesting role in this chapter because like as you said like women can't rule but they're fine with a queen regent um Like, when he decides to offer clemency is when she says, like, well, that's not what I want, but, like, he can never seem weak, so I can't overrule him. But Mm -hmm. when he wants to fight in single combat, Queen Alyssa is, like, totally fine overruling his desire to, like, fight in single combat against the Kingsguard. And that's not written as, like, oh, yeah, weak, you know, weak King Jaehaerys had to let his mom step in and not let him fight the Kingsguard. Like, I wonder if that could almost be painted as, like, a... Well, you know, his his mother and her tender heart did not want to see him fight, so she mm-hmm. implored him to have someone stand for him or some such bull. I mean, you could, like, spin that in some way that makes it look like it wasn't just that mommy said no. Right. You know? Right. I mean, they couldn't, the reason, I believe the reason they didn't fly to Old Town and burn it is because mommy said no. I think Alyssa was the one. Uh-huh. I think you're right. said. Yeah, she gets uh, that whole explanation about, like, well, remember what happened to Rainey's? Yeah, that was so bizarre. She was like, "You, the three of you, Reyna, Jaharis, and Alison, who all have dragons, mm-hmm. the three of you cannot fly to Old Town and burn it because remember that one time Rainey's died? Yeah. Like, what a weird pull. Yeah. That didn't, that seemed very strange to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you have this note. Do you want to read it? After, I don't know where it is. If you, if you want to read it, where, where is it? Where it says, like, you gotta know that that was an incredible, almost say fictional fluke. That, like, yes. <laughs> 
I mean, come on. No other dragon's gonna get shot in the eye with a bolt like that. Come yeah, on. Yeah, that's, like, that's just, like, such a nat 20 that you're, That's like, really? almost like somebody made it up in a fictional story. That's, like, so unlikely uh-huh. that, to happen. Right. So, yeah. Right. I don't know and how big dragon's strange. eyes are or how good of a shot that person was with the scorpion, but, like, seems like a one of those once-in-a-lifetime shots to hit, like, it a tiny truly... target. Yeah, it truly, truly must have been. They should put some kind of armor blockers on dragon eyes. Mm-hmm. They put, like, cages on them or something. I don't know. Certainly. Right. right. Like that. Anyway. Um, but, yeah, she was yeah. the one who was like, oh, no, but what about? And, like, that could make its own kind of sense if she – so, in our theory that maybe Rainies did not die, mm-hmm. but that Aegon and Aenys were the only ones maybe who knew about it. Right. Um, if Alyssa had, was, was married to Aenys and had to believe that, like, you know, my husband's mom dying maybe broke him a little bit. Mm-hmm. Like, I could see maybe her, of anyone, having a, like, well, but you don't know what it was like for your father. I had to watch how terrible yeah. this was for your father yeah. to, like, lose his mom. Like, I don't want that to happen to any of you. Or even to yeah. me. I could see that. I could see the other option is that she didn't say that. Right. Um, right. Was that like... <laughs> yeah. Um, because there's something... Um... Okay, so in the paragraph, it's on page 116 where they talk about how to deal with it. Um, people were suggesting, like, go do Field of Fire on them. And it says, Jaehaerys had no taste for such slaughter, however... And then it says, and his mother, Queen Alicent, fought forbade it, reminding them of the fate of Rhaenys. So the first part of that sentence is that Jaehaerys didn't want to. Yep. So it could either be that Queen Alyssa didn't say that at all, they're just adding it to bolster Jaehaerys, or he said, I don't really want to do that. And she said, yeah, remember Rhaenys? Remember? It's not really safe. We yeah. can't really send you guys. It's like not a good, you know, like she might have just been bolstering him uh-huh. with a statement that's really kind of bullshit. Like it's really not... It's not really a risk that your dragon's going to be killed by not another dragon. But it's legitimizing what might otherwise be perceived of as a weakness. Boom. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Okay, yeah. I like that. I like that. Um, Our girl Alyssa. Mm-hmm. No one had it. She's, she's good at this. Uh, we also get a teensy bit of Alisanne characterization. She's actually a bit of a person in this section. Because mm-hmm. um, she's the one who, um, when all of the Kingsguard um are sent to trial and they're found guilty of treason and Jaharis is like okay execution Alisan steps in and says actually we should send them to the wall yeah um how about you send them to the wall instead and he agrees um mm-hmm. Alisan says remember the wall in the main plot of the story yeah remember the wall. Uh, maybe we should have you seen dad's magical dagger let me hold on <laughs> yeah let me get yeah, a fire yeah. going <laughs> <laughs> right and that's I want to put a pin in the fact that it's Alisanne who brings up the wall because this is not mm-hmm. the only time that Alisanne will remember that the wall exists and is kind of important. Yep. Um, which ties into, like you were saying, A Song of Ice and Fire, the larger story about, like, who remembers that the wall is important and that that mm-hmm. is, like, frequently one of the markers of, like, a, I mean, a good king in the sense of like a a ruler who is aware of the larger threat to Mm -hmm. westeros um 
and that that is like one of the most important things that a ruler should do is remember that there is potentially a threat in the north and mm-hmm. they should care about it and most of the the rulers of westeros do not <laughs> oh most of the how is the wall doing said alison said alison and no one else <laughs> said no one else <laughs> um so yeah like it it's important here that she's the first one to bring up the wall that she's the first one like one of the few to be like oh hey like maybe we send them to the wall um mm-hmm. and i think that she I wonder if she maybe also had a hand in recommending that the poor fellows go to the wall. Probably. Towards the end of the chapter, we get that that little section where, like, as Jaehaerys is leaving Old Town, um, that, like, he sends a bunch of poor fellows to the wall. And I'm like, mm-hmm. was that Alice? I mean, it says Jaehaerys did it, but did maybe Alice Ann poke him about that? Because she, she's the she one who said have, it earlier. She might have directly told him, or because she said it earlier about the Kingsguard, he was like, ah, yes. The we, wall. We can send them to the wall. We can send them there. Uh-huh. Excellent. <laughs> yes. I'm so smart. I made this decision. <laughs> All by myself. Yeah. It was great. Um, yeah. Um, uh, there was one other. We've kind of talked about it a little bit, but I kind of wanted to point to, like, as we're talking about, like, the poor fellows and the lords and that there is a difference showing up here between the lords of Westeros, who are very, very quick to submit Frequently, Mm -hmm. just, like, as soon as the weather changes in terms of the ruler, the lords are like, oh, shit, um, you're in charge now? Cool. I'm loyal to you. And I'm I'm loyal to you, and I've been loyal to you this whole time. Yeah, yeah, what are you talking about? (laughs) Mm -hmm. That, like, the the most consistent, that at least in this chapter, and I think we saw it a little bit under Magor, that the most consistent pockets of resistance remain the small folk, who's... Are less dependent on the throne for power, mm-hmm. um, and also a- suffer the most when you know, as we hear in *A Song of Ice and Fire*, when the High Lords play their Game of Thrones. It's always the small mm-hmm. folk who suffer. Mm-hmm. And it's also interesting to think about, like, the like the meaning of honor and loyalty. Mm-hmm. Like the fact that they switch so much is like really honor and loyalty are like great and like things you can aspire to, I guess. You know, depending on what you're doing, but like ultimately, you want to be like not dead. Uh-huh. So, like. You know, you can give up your honor and loyalty and be not dead. Right. And, you know, it, that's generally the better course. <laughs> right. Than to just be honorable and loyal. <laughs> right. And it is interesting who gets the benefit of the doubt about that decision. And that yeah. ties to, like, the theme that you've brought up pretty frequently about, like, what makes a true knight. That, like, mm-hmm. we brought up Jamie. That, like, yep. Jamie makes a decision of, like... Um, I will choose being not dead because we know we know that Ares was going to blow up the town. That he was like, I will yeah. choose both me not dead and also this entire city being not dead. And everyone's mm-hmm. like, fuck you, you killed the king. Um, mm-hmm. And yet the lords of Westeros are allowed to be like, so, you know how I was a, a, a Magor loyalist. So listen, Magor was cool, right? But like he died. And he died. So what if I come over to your camp? What if, like, I come to your side? It's uh-huh. cool over there. You know, you have dragons, eh? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're in charge now. Yeah. And yeah. I really like being um, friendly with the people in charge. Yeah. Yeah, um. definitely. I, and so much of A Song of Ice and Fire and Fire and Blood have this, these themes of honor. So it's, a, it's just uh-huh. an ongoing thing for us to look at, for sure, is, like, how people flip or don't flip and what that means right. to them. Right. You know. Yeah, I think if I remember correctly, Kylie and Julia talk about internal and external honor. 
Yes. In mm-hmm. some of the earlier um, Unabashed Book Snobbery episodes. And, like, that's mm-hmm. kind of what's happening. That, like, Jamie had a consistent sense of internal honor. That it is, like, more honorable to, like, kill someone who is going to destroy an entire town. Even if that damages other people's perception of my external honor. And mm-hmm. it is considered externally honorable to, like, bend the knee to the ruling power. Even if that means that you, like, aren't actually, like internally loyal to the same i mean i think person. it depends i mean i think back to Torin stark you know the king who knelt right where i think he's a great example because he's known as the king who knelt he's known as like he's the last of the kings he like ended the, the stark king the kings of the north all this kind of thing uh, but it was much more important to do that and not have any of his people be horribly yeah. murdered right and like in the long run that was the correct decision. That was, Those two roads were not the same. Those, <laughs> one of those roads was fine. The other one was on fire. And he said, we're not going to go to the fire version of this road. <laughs> oh, Caroline, that was fantastic. <laughs> but I mean, like, that's the thing. It's like, and that, I think, talking about internal and external are almost fascinating. And um, on several episodes of Unabashed Books, Snobby, Kylie and Julie talk about it. But like, yeah, like in that situation... His external honor, honor was bruised, mm-hmm. but it's I I personally think it is honorable to sacrifice your own, like your own external perception, mm-hmm. to save others. Yep, like to to save other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's quite honorable. So, so it's like a, it's a weird honor, yeah thing. If you, listeners, you can't see me, but I'm moving my hands around the screen like like a like like spiders. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah, honor is really complicated in Westeros. That's part of feudalism. Um, I forgot. Honor is a horse. So yes, that's a that's, horse, and you ride yeah, it. Yeah, honor is a horse, mm-hmm. and that's it. It's uh, not that complicated. <laughs> yep. Shall we talk a little bit more about Septon Moon? What are our theories? Septon oh, Moon. what happened with Septon Moon? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, what do you think happened with Septon Moon? Okay. Um, I first want to point out a couple of parallels with Septon mm-hmm. Moon. With, with his death. Um, mm-hmm. First of all, the first thing I think of is Renly mm-hmm. in A Song of Ice and Fire. Um, yep. uh, I also think of... Have you read any of the, the pre-released Winds of Winter chapters? I did, but I don't remember them. I read them a long time um, ago. I think of the Mercy chapter, which is Arya, yeah. where Arya mm-hmm. kills Rock the Sweetling. I feel mm-hmm. like those are two really strong parallels within um, mm-hmm. A Song of Ice and Fire itself. Mm-hmm. It's the, kind of like what's happening here. Um I also, I mean, for any people out there who have read the Bible a lot, because I have read the Bible a lot, um, mm-hmm. I think of uh, Sisera, who was oh, like I, a general. This is in the book of Judges. Um, mm-hmm. He's a general who is like opposed to the Israelites, and he's killed when like he's, um, he like finds a tent to rest um, as like his army is on the run, and it, there's a woman inside, and she like feeds him, and, um, lulls him to sleep and then takes a hammer and and um drives a tent peg into his head yikes damn Um, all right it's pretty cool um she's pretty badass her name is yael and Mm -hmm. um i like it's not an exact parallel but it's like i was thinking of the same kind of thing of like oh yes like a like a woman the person you least suspect Mm -hmm. is able to like bring down the opposing forces and um no one really recognizes her or it like in this quite literally no one remembers what she looks what like. What she looks like, yeah. Literally, like 
women are so non-people in Westeros, yeah. especially poor women are so non-people. No, Gretchen. No, Gretchen. She was a faceless man, and her <laughs> face was changing. That's why nobody knows. <laughs> I'm sorry, that's one of my favorite things about this. They're like, well, we don't know what her face looked like because she's a faceless man. And I'm like, because because the faceless men don't have faces or because like whenever you look at them their face is in the middle of changing like what the fuck does that even mean i love it i love it i love there's the sentence where they said let's talk about the face when they say um some uh believe the woman was uh, the faceless man in support of this claim they cited her sudden disappearance the way she seems to melt into the night uh-huh. after the murder and the fact that septim moon's guards could not agree on what she looked like right Right. And it's like, no, bro, you, you, you don't remember what she looks like because she was just, like you're saying, she was just a poor woman who didn't register for you as a human being. Uh-huh. And that's why she was able to melt into the night and disappear because nobody was following her or watching her. Right. Because you didn't think she was that important. Right. Yes. That's on you. That's on you. It's not magic. We tricked you. Right. This is literally <laughs> the kind of conspiracy thinking that happens that's like, well, a normal, just average poor lady could not have killed our our septon right. moon it must be secret assassins certainly not by cutting his throat that's a physical i mean the, the poison wine bit is so interesting because i don't i can't really make heads or tails of that but like the mm-hmm. fact of the matter he died from his throat being slit which means if this woman was just a woman mm-hmm. who and i don't think she i don't think she was a faceless man i, <laughs> I don't I need to say it i don't think she was a faceless man that means she physically attacked him and she won that's that's threatening. Ooh, that's that's yeah. very threatening. Right, right, right. The that's the thing. Like that's yeah. why she, she's got to be a spooky, scary lady. Yeah, she's got to secretly be a faceless scary. man who's probably actually really a dude, just like wearing a lady body or something. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, oh, that that this. makes more. That's it. That's me. It's, it's a dude wearing a lady body. Boom. Yep. Yeah. That's what happened. Like an actual, just you know. So what do you think? Nondescript woman can do this. Okay. Um. <laughs> so. It is, like, okay, so my first question, I want to ask some questions before I get into okay. what I actually think, is, like, why poisoned wine and a slit throat? That does confuse me. That confuses me with every iteration, though. That doesn't make yeah. sense in any iteration no. of this. Unless you theorize that there are two actors, which doesn't make, which also doesn't make sense to me, because only one person was in that tent. Right. Like, you end up having to do some kind of weird Rendley shadow baby, which, like, look, I have seen that theory online that, like, mm-hmm. well, maybe there was also a shadow assassin because this death reminds me of Ren's, Renly's death, and that means it that, is, that there's it does maybe remind a shadow a baby. Of, yeah, it is a very similar. Like, if you imagine, because the guards describe hearing him grunt a woman's scream, and then they, you know, then they start seeing stuff. And that's, if you imagine the guards outside of Renly's tent, that's also what they would have heard. They would have heard Renly grunt. Uh-huh. Somebody... I forget if Catelyn screams or Brienne screams. Somebody mm-hmm. screams. And. Right. Yeah. I mean, that it is kind of the same order of sounds. Mm-hmm. I, the poison wine thing, though, is like the woman who brought the wine either has to have known it was poisoned because she would have to know not to drink it. Right. We, and we know she didn't drink it because she didn't die, mm-hmm. as far as we know. Um, or whoever sent her with it didn't care if she died, too. Yep. Yeah. Which is also a possible. Yeah, I, so, I will tell you that I tend to think that killing him with the slit throat was an accident. Mm -hmm. That that was not intentional. Mm -hmm. Um, 
um, but was maybe a reaction to something that was happening yeah, in the tent I, that we didn't see. that's kind of what see. I'm thinking. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And I also tend to think that she may not have known the wine was poisoned. Mm-hmm. That, like, again, because if she knew the wine was poisoned, why slit his throat? Why not just wait for the wine to take effect? Unless mm-hmm. he was getting really aggressive and attacked mm-hmm. her and she was defending herself even knowing that he would eventually die from the poisoned wine. Right. So those are the two options. But I tend to think that, like, she didn't intend to go in there and slit his throat. Mm-hmm. Huh. I'm kind of 50-50 on whether or not she knew the wine was poisoned mm-hmm. because I don't, I don't have enough information to decide that. But I do tend to think that, like, killing him by slitting his throat was probably not the intended outcome of that interaction. I agree with that. I, I think that that makes the most sense as to why both things occurred. Mm-hmm. And that actually kind of fits with my own pet theory, so I like it. Yeah, that so. she was, like, defending her. That something happened in the tent, mm-hmm. and she was defending herself. Mm-hmm. And was able to stab him in the neck. Um, I don't think that, like, she... Fully slit his throat. Like I, I would. I'm guessing it was probably some kind of stab that hit a really. Yeah, because important... I describe him. He lives for a hot minute. Yeah, he bleeds out. Yeah, ultimately. he bleeds out and like stumbles around the camp. That like I imagine she hit like a really important. Uh, maybe not yeah. the carotid because you bleed out pretty quickly if you hit the carotid, but like hit something mm-hmm. important in his neck. So yeah. that's why he was still able to like stumble around, but like did eventually bleed out. Right. Um, but that it was in self defense. So do you think she was sent by somebody or? Yes. I don't think okay. she was acting alone. Oh, so I think she was acting alone. Oh, so I think this is, yeah, Which is less popular as a theory, I know. but Yeah, I, but I like okay, so tell me about can. that. Why do you think she was? So this is what I think is glossed over by the maester. We know the Septon Moon is, as the maester describes him, lecherous. Yep. Right? He's having sex every night with a different woman. Mm-hmm. Um. The maester doesn't talk about it, but there's almost certainly sex assault happening there. Yeah. There's almost certainly, because are you consenting to Septon Moon is probably not a question anyone's asking. Yeah, right. Uh-huh. Um, so I can imagine a situation where Old Town is kind of like become this like very dangerous place to just like be female. Mm-hmm. because there's not only this man who's leading everybody who's like having sex with all these women, but probably a lot of his followers doing the same thing yeah right uh-huh. so if you think about septon moon not as like you know funny dick man whose dick we draw on things right. which is a, you know a funny interpretation uh-huh. but if you think about him as like a sexual predator yep then he's making a lot of enemies with a lot of women very quickly mm-hmm. and what did the poor women think said no one ever so, no one ever. <laughs> so it wouldn't be recorded it wouldn't be something the maester would even think about being a problem and i i kind of love the story as um like a personal vendetta revenge situation of like a woman who was either assaulted by him or who's like maybe a friend of hers was assaulted or she knows all these women who are assaulted. like he's like this plague upon old old town doing this to the women of old town and she says no more like i'm gonna take care of this and through her own agency figures that it gets poison and it's going to poison him. And slitting his throat makes sense if he was beginning to attack her. Yeah. And she was defending herself. That's, that's, and I, it ends up being one of those things where like, yeah, his death is really convenient. Uh-huh. Like the timing is really convenient. 
but his death would have been convenient at any time. Yeah, right. You know, if he if he had died a week before, if he had died after Jaharis got there, if he had died after Jaharis left, like his death would have always been convenient because he's a man in power. Uh huh. So I kind of just like thinking of it sort of less as like a big conspiracy that the lords planted someone in higher sounds I thought whatever and more much more of a smaller kind of slice story of like this is what was he he died because of his own actions causing this harm to the women of old town and and they got back at him and they got him so that's kind of how i like to imagine the story okay i like that better i like that way better yeah i like the idea that like it's being chalked up to being about the high lords and their power because everything mm-hmm. is like that's got to be the reason why no, why would anyone want to kill septon moon if they were not one of the high lords is trying to provide a way for right. harris mm-hmm. because that's the only thing that matters in westeros is that the king goes and gets crowned but that this mm-hmm. is actually about um a woman taking power into her own hands to protect herself and other women right exactly um, i really like okay i'm convinced i don't i feel like i don't even know okay. how to get, like <laughs> Um, I like it. There are other theories. There are other, yeah. other theories yeah, than that. But I, and like, like, I like that the best. Um, there are some ways okay. that that echoes what's happening with in the Mercy chapter. Um, mm-hmm. Because even though Arya is a faceless yeah. man assassin, like, let's not be wrong, like, mm-hmm. the Mercy chapter is her own personal vendetta. She is not acting as a faceless man. She was not hired to kill Raphael That's Sweetly. true. She's acting on her own out of her own personal vendetta because of the damage that he did to her family. So I mm-hmm. could see a parallel happening there where, like, we don't even have to imagine that, like, this woman is secretly a faceless man assassin the way Arya is, but that this is a matter of a personal vendetta mm-hmm. that might have political convenience and therefore gets chalked up to, well, there must have been some kind of secret, you know, mm-hmm. plot, but actually this is just a personal vendetta that is politically mm-hmm. convenient. Yeah. Um, I like that. I like that a lot. And especially because I because I tend to think because it fits so well with the like this is not a faceless man this is not like a no, high I mean it's clearly not a face right. right it's not a faceless it's man, not no. like a highborn lady in disguise like it, it's no one special that like no one mm-hmm. special kills septon moon just a person does like right. and the whole that's part of the point of it is that like no one recognizes her because she's a woman under patriarchies like she's a she's a poor woman under patriarchy she's not a person so no one's going to pay attention to her mm-hmm. and that's why she's right. able to do to to accomplish this and she knows because of how he is and how how he he is with the women of Old Town mm-hmm. that she she can walk in and give him wine and like that that's a perfect plan right you know right and, and everyone is just going to assume like oh yeah she's here to get fucked so she can have a baby because that's what all the that's the only reason yeah. all these women are coming to him because they want to get pregnant yeah exactly this that's is not this yeah. is not sexual assault this is these, yeah they are willingly coming mm-hmm. because his dick is so powerful yep exactly um and i i i kind of I, I that's how i like to interpret it it's also for me when stories are like a little bit simpler like when things start to get to like conspiracy stuff i start to get suspicious like okay like is it a political conspiracy or is there like an easier way to understand right this? right did the spooky then, scary lady kill the old high septon or was it just the the king the the warrior son who got a full pardon right exactly <laughs> <laughs> Did Visenya do it with magic? Uh-huh. <laughs> right. Yeah, so I think that uh, I've always, ever since I read that part of the story, that even my first read, that was my interpretation of it, was just like, sometimes murder is convenient. Very often, murder is convenient. Yep. Like somebody dies, especially somebody in power who you're going to write about in the story, mm-hmm. their death is going to be 
it's going to change stuff because it changes power dynamics. Right. You know? Right. And it, and it fits with that theme that we have of, like, women often get shafted because they are not recognized for being agents. That, like... Mm-hmm. And this is a combination of woman and poor. Yes. Well, a social class. Yes. Yeah. Yep. And, like, neither of those people are recognized as... Those classes of people are recognized as having agency under a feudalist mm-hmm. patriarchy. So, like, how much then more likely is it that if this is what happened, the maester would just be like, oh, well, clearly she couldn't have acted as her own on her own. Mm-hmm. She must have been hired by someone because a poor woman doesn't have agency at all. And there aren't any, like, clear lords here that would, like, hire some poor lady to go with poison. And You know what I mean? Like, there isn't, like, it doesn't, there isn't, like, anybody that, like, needs him to die except for, like, Jaehaerys. But right. I, I, don't, I don't think the Targaryens, like, sent her. Mm-hmm. Like, right. They, they were just going to go show up with dragons and do their dragon thing. They didn't right. need to do, like, a shitty assassination, you know? I think also the fact that it kind of went sideways is also evidence that it wasn't professional. Yeah, right. Yeah. You know? Uh-huh. Unless, unless the faceless men made it look sloppy so that no Oh, it was an intentionally looked sloppy. Oh. Um, you know what, Gretchen? You've totally changed my mind. Faceless man. <laughs> Faceless man assassin. Confirmed. Boom. Confirmed. Um, the last thing I will say was that when they stick his body on the horse and use it to oh. attack Old Town, I got total, like, King Cleos and Astapor Yes! Vibes. Yes! It's the exact same thing. It's the exact same thing that you would ask for. Which I don't blame George R. R. Martin for. There's only so many things you can do with these stories. Right. Right. I just, like, I just think it's funny that, like, more than once people are like... You know what we should do? We should put the dead body on a horse. Yeah. Don't they do it to Rob? Do they do it to Rob in the books? I know they sew Grey Wind's head onto Rob. Mm-hmm. But do they put... I feel like they put Rob on a horse, too. But I could be wrong. That could just be the show. Maybe. I can't remember. Um. But, like, yeah. The idea of, like, the dead leader coming back as, like, a zombie or a ghost or whatever to, like... Mm-hmm. I'm also thinking of the Battle of the Blackwater when yeah. um, Garland Tyrell dresses up wearing Renly's armor and everyone's like, it's Renly's ghost! <laughs> Renly's ghost has come back! <laughs> they really did believe that, like, maybe their king would get resurrected and come fight for them. Um, so, yeah, we can finish off. We've talked a, we talked a little bit about Arya and Rayella swapping places. Yeah. Um, I think the one last thing I wanted to talk about was, like, who do we think made it happen? Like, Raina. Raina, yeah. Yeah, yeah. probably Raina. Yeah, because, like, the text is like, yeah. well, maybe Raina did it, or maybe Alyssa did it. I'm like, why would Alyssa care, though? Yeah, I don't see Alyssa caring too much. Raina, but I think, but I, I think that it's even, like, not even a political thing. I think Raina did it because, like, it would make her kids happy. Yes! You know. Yes. Yeah. But like, it might have been the kind of situation where the girls came up with it, and then they like tried to swap, and Raina was like, "I know you swapped," mm-hmm. and then Raina's like, "You know what? Fine." Yeah. I, you know. I like the idea that if she didn't come up with it, she approved of it precisely mm-hmm. because it allowed each of them to live the lives that they wanted. Exactly. That they got to be happy doing the thing they wanted. Um yeah. And also, I feel like there is another thing that she could have been going through her brain which is that um Rayella the actual Rayella the real Rayella mm-hmm. the real younger mm-hmm. sibling is a more viable looking heir than Aria is the actual Aria yeah. that like mm-hmm. 
if you want to have a female heir and potentially make that a possibility mm -hmm. under patriarchy, like, you can't have, like, a shy, nerdy, mm -hmm. bookish, um, like, gentle, Afraid quiet. of dragons, yeah. Right, like, they're, they're against that in male heirs. Mm -hmm. much less in a female era that like a part of me wonders if there's a little bit of like political savviness happening that like again whether or not she came up with the idea agreeing to the idea might have been a like well maybe maybe actual Rayella pretending to be area has a mm -hmm. better chance of potentially yeah. gaining power than the actual area because the actual area like is you know like literally just wants to be a septa and like read books and like do embroidery mm -hmm. and like be quiet and feminine which is great for her i love that for her i just yeah want, I, I want both of them to be happy i want both, both of them to, to be do happy. what they want to do yeah yeah no i completely agree i think it's probably similar to how like like in house of the dragon when viserys really backs rhaenyra as uh, ruler mm -hmm. part of that is political and that like that's his political choice or whatever and that's who he's been training for this but i actually think the gist of that is that he loves his daughter yes and he wants to protect her claim because that's that she asked him to protect her claim mm -hmm. so i think with reyna it's very similar like, she loves her daughter she wants them to be happy and safe right um and it's also awfully convenient right for her to have the better air option just around yeah yeah yeah, just, yeah. just uh -huh. in, ca in case needed in case needed yep we have it Save file right here. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Just just yeah. in case Jaharis doesn't work out. Yeah, we got one. We got one. We got one. We, yeah. We got our spare. We got our spare here. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, exactly. I guess we can wrap up this part. I think will be pretty quick about um about you know who gets who gets shafted in this story. We got some women who get overlooked. Um. Yeah. Uh, Queen Cerise, who, um, <laughs> <laughs> we both put this in our notes. <laughs> uh. So queens, the, the men who killed Queen Cerise are some of the ones that get executed because they mm -hmm. killed a queen. And they deny it. They're like, we didn't do this, like, whole the blade slipped and I cut out her tongue and I really cuffed her throat situation. He's like, that didn't happen. Uh, and his, the, the guy's explanation was that Cerise was, died of shrewishness. Yeah. What the, what the fuck does that mean? What does that even mean, dude? Like, How do you die of shrewishness? Right. Yeah, I just feel like what he basically said was like, man, she was such a bitch that she died. Yeah. And I'm like, like why do you even care? She's such a bitch. <laughs> how does, but how like, does that work, sir? I can't even imagine what he means. No, I don't. Like, I can't either. Like, I'm wondering if she died from, like, having her tongue cut and she bled out. And maybe he was like, well, it's her own fault for having her tongue cut out because she was... Such a she nag. She wouldn't shut up. Yeah. Yeah, she was nagging, like... I, but I, I can't even make heads or tails of it. It's so Yeah, so I don't, like, I don't even know what argument he's trying to make. For, Some, like... Something that it didn't work because he got executed, so... Yeah, something, something, something misogyny. Um. Right, exactly, yes. <laughs> <laughs> we talked a bit already about Poxy, poor Poxy Jane. Poor, poor Poxy Jane. Um, and how she was not rewarded and Red Dog gets to be Kingsguard. Then we have Lady Lucinda. Oh my gosh. Lady Lucinda, who gets, like, mentioned twice... She so she helped Joffrey Doggett do various raids and whatever, 
And the line in the book is that he was doing these things with the support and connivance of Lady Lucinda. Mm. The connivance. Mm -hmm. Spooky, scary, conniving ladies. But that's another thing where I'm like, that would be a wonderful short, like, six-episode series. Uh-huh. How, how does Lady Lucinda... I think of... She's Tully, right? Yes. Or, um, I know she's out of River Run. Of River Run. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know if she's Tully, but she's out of River Run. Um, how does she come to meet the outlaw Joffrey Doggett? Right. How do, how do they come to share political ideologies uh-huh. and talk about the fact that they share political ideologies and have it so that she's helping him? And she's helping him, not like the Lord of River Run uh-huh. is helping him. Lady Lucinda is helping him. Yeah. Is there is there maybe a sexy story Ooh. there? I don't know. There could be. There could be there a sexy could, there story. There could be there. a sexy story. There could be a sexy Absolutely. story. I don't know. There could be a short six episode limited series called, right. the, red, called the Red Dog of the Red Dog of the Hill. The Red know? Dog of the Hill. And I'm like just, just pitching it, HBO. The fact that he gets rewarded and like yeah. she just gets a mention. Is an, is another one of those like a yes of course under patriarchy, like yeah, the the actual red dog of the hills gets to be the king's guard. Whereas like, I feel like reading between the lines here, he would not have been successful in any but for of her. It, but for oh, her, absolutely. and like she just gets like a nod of like okay, well she exists. Yeah. Um. All of these interesting background women who are, like, doing things and making things possible and, like, they mm-hmm. don't get rewarded or barely recognized. Um, yep. And uh, speaking of which, uh, we mentioned this before, but the people who get shafted, all the people who are helping make decisions who are not Jaharis. <laughs> uh, nobody, Gretchen, nobody is making decisions <laughs> but Jaharis. He is the best boy king, okay? He is so good at making choices. He makes all the best decisions. And... He is so strong all the time. Uh, no one else is making decisions for him. So no. I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, no, but I mean, yeah, the the fact of the matter is, I think Jaharis is a really good example of what you've mentioned before, which is that it's not, you can't have just one person rule. No. It doesn't work to have one person rule. Mm-mm. You need to have a team of people. Right. And he, that's what he has. And that team is very good at making it look like he's the one doing this stuff mm-hmm. and later on in his life he may very well be the one doing this stuff right but right now he's a literal child yeah yeah so yeah he's a teenager he's not he's not making all of these choices like i'm like i'm sorry for the people who stand jaharis but like a 14 year old just isn't really capable of the level mm-hmm. of thinking that is happening here like this is just right. not how a 14 year old could think mm-hmm. um their brain can be trained yes. to think that way Right. So by the time he's an adult, you know, I think by the time he's an adult and he takes over, you know, in the next few chapters, when he doesn't need a regent and stuff anymore. Right. He's learned these tactics Mm -hmm. and we'll see how he uses them himself as an adult and as a king. But uh, yeah, right now he's, he's got the tiny baby brains. He's not, he's not doing all of this, but yeah, you're right. Everyone has been really effective at making it look like he's in charge Mm -hmm. um, for reasons. Um. So you want to talk about themes? Yeah, themes. We've got, like, this isn't, like, a super theme-heavy section, um, the way that some of the yeah, other ones this were. Yeah, this is why you and I don't love uh, his chapter as much as the others. But. Yeah, which is funny because we've still found, you know, plenty of things to talk about because we're at, well, we are approaching two I, hours of recording. You and, you and I don't ever have any problem finding things to talk about <laughs> in text. Right, yeah. Um, I think I even sent a note when we were prepping this where I was like, I don't have as much to say, but I'm sure we'll find something to talk about. And yeah, here we are, almost two hours later. Um, 
It's good. It's good. Uh, so yeah, symbols of power. Like the one of the things that stood out to me was the crown thing that you pointed out. Yeah, Caroline, that Jaharis chooses to wear the crown of his father Aenys instead of the crown of Aegon the Conqueror, which is also the one that Maegor wore. So um, I had some thoughts about that. Um, mm-hmm. First being, you know, it is a, it's a savvy choice because it avoids associating too much himself too much with Magor. And like, yep. Because yep. we talked about like it, that the crown itself is a more aggressive looking crown. It's just like wrought iron and rubies. Mm-hmm. Um, it Black is, and red. It's goth. It's a goth crown. Yeah, it's very goth. It's very, very, very Targaryen, but it is also mm-hmm. quite aggressive. Um, and Aenys had, like, a pretty golden crown, um, mm-hmm. I think with, like, gemstones in it, um, mm-hmm. that were not just rubies. Um, it also avoids any backdoor legitimation of Magor's reign, that, like, so immediately after Magor's death, it makes mm-hmm. sense to distance yourself, that, like, using Magor's crown, even though it's technically Aegon's crown, that, like, using Magor's crown might symbolically lend some kind of credence to his reign that mm-hmm. like if you want to associate yourself with if you want to like s- like really stamp in the idea that Magor was not a legitimate king that he was a usurper then you want to use the crown of the last king that you want to consider legitimate which would be Aenys. Aenys. Interesting. So you're gonna okay. want to use like Aenys crown mm-hmm. um, as a mm-hmm. way to be like ah yes I am the legitimate ruler because I am following the last legitimate king. And Magor, no, 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 he was not a legitimate king. Mm-hmm. He was just way over there. That was a, we, 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 we talk about Magor. Yeah, that was a side quest. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, the crown will, like, change meaning over time. It won't always mean that. But, like, right at this point in time, I feel like that's part of what they're doing. Is this the crown that eventually goes to Viserys that goes to Rhaenyra? Or is there a different crown that gets there? I can't remember if Viserys's like I know that Rhaenyra wears Viserys's crown. I can't it's, remember it's if not Viserys. It's not Aegon crown. the Conqueror. It's not Aegon the Conqueror's crown. No, because Aegon the Second yeah. wears Aegon's right. crown, and that's part right. of like the dichotomy being set up there. Is like as we saw on the show House of the Dragon, like Alicent is trying to set up Aegon as the le- the more legitimate ruler with like very strong visual symbols of power with like Blackfire, right. Aegon's crown, Aegon the Conqueror's crown. And mm-hmm. Rhaenyra wears Viserys's crown. I what I can't remember is if Viserys's crown is the same as Aenys crown. Right. Aenys I'm not sure and, either. And Jaehaerys's crown, I can't remember. Mm-hmm. Um or whether or not Viserys maybe has his own sparkly crown i can't remember uh it might be the same because viserys is jaharis's grandchild i believe correct yeah that like if if jaharis wore this crown which is anis's crown and Mm -hmm. viserys was his heir it would Mm -hmm. make sense for viserys to wear his crown right so it might be so we'll keep track yeah we'll keep keep track of the crowns um yeah like and so, I mean, this opens up the question, though, does, like, does it mean any more than just, like, this is politically convenient? Um, that he's choosing to associate his reign with the reign of Aenys. Is it more mm-hmm. than just, like, this is legitimate? Um, like, there's also the, like, association with, like, peaceful versus warring king, like, right? Um, that happens. Um, that seems to be tied to, like, the pretty crown versus... 
The dog spooky the crack. Dog spooky crack. <laughs> <laughs> um, there's the goth crown and the My Little Pony crown. Yes. <laughs> there's the Oppenheimer I, crown and the Barbie crown. There, there we go. <laughs> oh, God. I I think your your observation. I this is I I completely agree with and love your observation. I think this is the most astute observation about the crowns that it's distancing from Magor. Mm-hmm. I think that's probably the main motivation mm-hmm. is that they don't want to take the crown that was just on the god that we're saying is not legitimate, and also we're all rolling around calling Magor the cruel. Yeah, and we're saying he was bad bad news bears. You know, uh, I I hadn't thought of that before. But that makes the most sense to me. Mm-hmm. Who do you think decided which crown? I don't think the text says who picked it. No. They just said that's the crown they use. I feel like it was probably a decision that involved Alyssa and Rogar. It must have been. Um, that I could that I can imagine that the two of them deciding saying which which crown is more important i don't like it, which is not to say that jaharis wasn't involved i just don't know that jaharis would care that much or would like understand the political implications of like which yeah. crown to use yeah i don't think he i don't think he's the one making the decision it's got to be an Alyssa rogar mm-hmm. kind of decision right and yeah i could see them not wanting to use the crown from agor uh-huh yep. yeah um yeah um and just like I was also thinking about how much of this, what we see in here about, like, Jaharis is the bestest boy. He's the legitimate heir of his, you know, Father Aenys, even though we we think that he was a weak king. Like, like how much this smacks of, like, a desperate need to feel stability and peace after so mm-hmm. much conflict that there's also this kind of, like, we just ended a reign under like a very tempe- like a very tempestuous reign with a lot of conflict, a lot of fighting, and lots of people died. Um, mm-hmm. We're gonna blame it all on the bad king and like desperately seek stability. We're gonna reset. We're, yeah, we're gonna reset. We're gonna we're gonna take the etch and sketch and just shake it, mm-hmm. and it'll be all clean again, and it'll be new new world order. Right. It'll be fine. And yeah. And how much of that desire? for stability will play into maybe how well the reign of Jaharis goes and that kind of like is he lucky or is everyone just kind of tired of fighting yeah is everyone like we good <laughs> we did that we did that for yeah. a while it sucked like yeah, let's, let's maybe not. calm down and like build some roads and like mm-hmm. have better taxes and like we've done the fighting thing maybe we're all worn out and we need a break mm-hmm. um and during that time, as we'll see in the chapters, the Targaryens get more and more powerful as more and more dragons are born. Mm-hmm. Right. And it gets to a point where it's like, not only do we not want to rebel, but rebelling is not really in the cards anymore, mm-hmm. given the power that the family uh, gathers. Right. And my last question is one I think that I want to track, which I hadn't mm-hmm. thought of when I first read that. It's like, what does conciliator mean? Like, the maester calls him Jaharis mm-hmm. the conciliator. Like, what does that mean mm-hmm. for him to be the conciliator? Um, and, like, what are we supposed to be looking for in his reign that marks him as a conciliator? Like, where did that name come from? Kind of like we talked mm-hmm. about, like, well, where did Magor the Cruel come from? Because for a while we were like, what cruelty? Whomst? 
Like, yeah. we are not seeing yeah. this. Where did this come from? That, like, I feel like this is another one of those, like, the maester is telling us at the outset how history remembers him. Mm-hmm. And so I want, I feel like we want to track what that means and where that nickname comes from. Why is he called the conciliator? And I think it'd be really good to compare the things that might make him be the conciliator to things that Aegon, Visenya, and Rhaenys did. Yep. Because they conciliated a lot of shit. Mm-hmm. You know, Aegon, Aegon brought the Iron Islands into the fold and said, pick your own king, I don't give a fuck, you know. Um, mm-hmm. Visenya got the veil mm-hmm. by giving a, a pony ride to the, the <laughs> king of flu. Uh, you know, like these, they got, they did a lot of stuff by just like politicking. Mm-hmm. Some of it they did by fire and blood, but they did a lot of it by politicking. Right. And does conciliator, is conciliator maybe the male version of, oh, she loves feasts and frolics? <laughs> you know? Right. Right. <laughs> right. Like maybe that just means he's good at the politics thing. Yep. Yeah, because when I looked it up, there are, like, two kind of definitions for conciliator, and they're similar. They're related, but they're not the same thing. Like, one of the mm-hmm. meanings is, like, to placate anger. So, like, that they're, okay. like, you can conciliate when someone is already upset and you're, like, okay, let's all calm down. Mm-hmm. Or conciliator can be another word to for, like, mediator. Like, mediating between, like, conflicting parties. And that, to me, mm-hmm. sounds like the politicking part. Though both of these things feel like politicking. You're, like, both soothing like ruffled feathers and also looking at potential conflict and trying to find a way to find a diplomatic solution instead of an Mm -hmm. aggressive solution um Mm -hmm. and i feel like we want to track maybe both of those kind of potential meanings is like Mm -hmm. how much of this is like soothing people who were kind of riled up and upset because of everything that megor did Mm-hmm. Um, or maybe still sore about the dragons being in charge mm-hmm. and politicking and also is he the one doing these things sometimes <laughs> he will be the one doing these things sometimes perhaps the women around him will be doing these things uh-huh. we'll see <laughs> right but yeah just like i wanted to like at the outset for for you and i and the people listening to be like I want to track what conciliator actually means. Like, yes, what? I think that's a good idea. How does he earn this this moniker, and what does it mean, and how accurate is it mm-hmm. to him versus the people around him? And like, um, because the maester also says at the outset of this chapter that he makes the seven kingdoms one. You know that mm-hmm. like Aegon, Visenya, and Rhaenys conquered, but Jaehaerys was the one that really unified the realm. Mm-hmm. Um, hmm. also and it's still six kingdoms sir Dorne is yes. not actually <laughs> technically here listen 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 six seven what are you gonna do it's a mo- we have listen we have a motif okay we gotta stick with it we're just rounding up <laughs> yes i also we should think about him as a conciliator both politically but also within his own family mm. because i think in some cases he's very successful and in others he is not I think I might know some of the ones that you are thinking yeah, of where he is Yeah, <laughs> so that is definitely something to, to look forward to. Uh-huh. Awesome. Yeah. Well, I think we pretty much picked it apart. Yeah. Uh, so this was our analysis of this chapter we didn't particularly care for. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was fine. It was I'm just fine. Like, yeah. It was just, it was fine. So um, if you guys want to reach out to us, if you have questions, comments, whatever, again, uh, we are looking for guests on episodes, especially as we get uh, into more of these Jaharis sections. 
and um uh we're hoping to have some guests in the near future yeah we've got some leads uh, we've got some leads we're excited about that mm-hmm. and um oh do you want to tell everyone about our plan to kind of split this up into seasons oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. we were talking about that before we recorded this that like yeah. We are thinking of splitting the show up into seasons that the first season will cover basically through Jaharis's reign. Um, that will hopefully kind of put us near-ish the holiday season, which would kind of mm-hmm. be a reasonable break. Um, we have a we have a lead on a guest that we could have for kind of like a like a mid-season palette cleanser to kind of circle mm-hmm. back around to talk a little bit more about um Kind of what my, what Archmaester Gildane is doing, the function of this as an in-universe history, what what role it plays within the universe as a history. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of we'll revisit that, which would be a nice little break. And then season two would cover the dance, um, picking mm-hmm. up kind of as Jaehaerys dies and with, with the reign of Viserys and the, and the dance, um, mm-hmm. covering all of that. We will be, that will, I imagine that will probably be a little bit slower we might even cover fewer yeah. pages because we're going to want to talk about the show. Time, yeah. <laughs> and I have a feeling that a lot of the guests we have in mind are going to want to be on during the, the time where right. the show is paralleling, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, right. And then and then we'd have season that. So we would have season two would be the dance and season three would ideally be the last portion because three seasons has the podcast. Three seasons and has the podcast. Yep. We must have. It must be three. Um and just that way, it would be a little bit more organization for the way that we're uh, releasing the podcast, and it gives us, uh, mm-hmm. you know, we could do mid-season, end-of-season coverage, that kind of stuff, yep. and sort of reflection, because we, we obviously cover a lot per episode, mm-hmm. and I think taking a step back and looking at the big picture every now and then is, is really fruitful yep. and, like, really useful conversation. So that's kind of the, the idea we have yeah. uh, going forward. So if anybody wants to email us with anything... Um, uh, our email is house of fire and blood podcast at gmail.com it's all one long word house of fire and blood podcast it'll be linked down below and until next time let's sign up um if you want to carry out an assassination in a patriarchal society just be a woman and no one will remember who you are or what you look like mm-hmm. good advice um also uh decapitated heads and severed hands make a great gift for the queen regent who has everything <laughs> What do you get her? She's got it all. She's got it all. She's <laughs> queen regent. <laughs> oh, fantastic. All Happy right. Mother's so Day. Here's some heads and hands. Yes. Actually, don't. Oh, Please so... don't give your mother heads and hands. <laughs> <laughs> As a weird side tangent, uh, my mom uh, collects dolls because, of course, she does. And uh, she has a has literally bins full of doll heads in the basement of her house. Okay, so maybe so. if you're, there might be an exception to when there you might be an exception. Not <laughs> real heads and hands for your. Sometimes mom. you should give Sometimes your mom. Sometimes you do give your mom severed heads. <laughs> <laughs> oh, thanks so much for joining us, guys. We'll talk to you next time. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye. There's this art fair called the Glenwood Arts Fest. Um, mm-hmm. It's like a couple of blocks north of me. It's every year in August. My girlfriend and I have been going for the last couple of years. Um, it's great for an art fair, like mm-hmm. because uh, it's 
Well, we found out this year that like part of the reason why it is this way is because the entry is fee is so low. It's like 250 bucks instead of like eight or nine hundred dollars, which it normally Mm -hmm. is to like be like to have a booth. But like it's so queer and so (laughs) weird. Like I'm used to going to art fairs and having like, you know, live, laugh, love stuff everywhere. You don't love you don't love a good live, laugh, love sign, Gretchen? no um or like or it's like super hipster and there are only so many like wooden bow ties or like chairs Mm. made out of whiskey barrels that i can look at and care about um which is look it's great a great synopsis of what like hipster art is it's so true like i did see a couple of booths that had those but there are like two and like the rest of it is like you know queer things and, like, weird art that's, like, cross-stitched, like, this meeting could have been an email or, like... Yes! <laughs> um, you know, like, it's, like, queer, feminist, anarchist art, and it's mm-hmm. fantastic. And I went by this can- this booth with candles, like, big candles, big giant candles that were, like, 15 bucks. Mm-hmm. And I got something that Magor the Metal would be proud of. Oh, my God. Is it a skull? Yes. Oh it's God. a skull, but it's not just a skull. Oh, my God. Is it a skull made out of skulls? It's a skull made oh out of skeletons. Oh, my God. It's a skull made out of skulls. <laughs> it's like, looks like a pile of bones in the shape of a skull. Oh. And, like, is dipped in, like, semi-translucent, like, black and red wax. So I just know that when I light it, it's going to drip like it's bleeding. Like it's blood. Oh, my God. I was like, Dude, I have to have that. That is what, that is what Meg Wore the Metal had in the, in the Red Keep. That's the candles. That is awesome. Yep. I love yep. that. Yeah. I just saw it. And, like, my girlfriend and our other friend who was with us were like, oh, that's cool. That's very you. And I was like, thank you. I just know that I need this. I need this candle made out of. You're channeling your inner Meg Wore the Metal. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep, now absolutely. what you need to do is sit in your gaming chair and hold it on your lap. Just you know, and just just be, right. be get a spooky, scary woman to stand next to you. Oh my gosh! And there you go. Right. That's it. <laughs> right. Oh, I, and I just realized when you talked about my gaming chair that my gaming chair is red and black. <laughs> oh my god, it's perfect. <laughs> yeah, I will sit in my red and black gaming chair and contemplate the skull and. This is my your, your, your uh, low-key Magor cosplay, <laughs> sitting in your, your red and black gaming chair with your, your red and black skull made of skulls. I might actually at some point take a picture of myself doing that as a joke. You should. <laughs> this is why we need to make an Instagram, Gretchen, because then we can post these things and people can see them. Yes, yeah, do my low-key Magor the Metal cosplay. All right, you've convinced me. I just need to find an outfit and I will yes. take a picture in my gaming chair. You just have to wear all black. Yeah. So oh, that's easy. I can pull it I'm sure, I'm sure you have all black. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think you're going to have a hard time finding an all black outfit. No. No, I can pull that out. Oh, that's fantastic. I love that. I love that skull. That's so great. Yeah, it's great. I mean, I am excited to see what it looks like once I light it. That um, you have to take, like, pictures and video of. Yeah. I don't even know that I want it to, to ever burn it all the way down. Like, I feel like this is the kind of candle that I want it to burn until it looks cool and then mm-hmm. be like, no, I'm good. Yeah. It'd be cool. Does it have a scent? Is it scented? I don't think so. I wish it had a scent, but like one that was totally contrary to what it looked like. Like, you know, lavender honey. Or something. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So- soothing for bath time, you know, something like that. <laughs> Put you to sleep. Will yourself to sleep with this? Yeah, with this skull, that's just melting blood. 